Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with. What's happening, weirdos? A uh, wonderful, one of my favorite talks with uh, Dan Soder, the hilarious comedian. As I always say, let's get to it as quickly as possible. Then I talk, sometimes drunkenly, for ten minutes. Uh, I do want to remind people that my HBO special, Faces and Sounds, is now available uh, as an album. You can get on Spotify or uh, iTunes, Amazon. Also, Crashing Season 1 is available on DVD. For all y'all waiting for uh, a hard, sorry, I'm on a road here, for a hard copy of that to come out, so check that out. Every uh, t-shirt, mug, sticker, pillow we've ever made for the show is available at store.peteholmes.com. And I do want to thank our wonderful sponsor. You know them, you love them. I want to do it NBR style. Support for today's podcast is provided by Squarespace. Whatever your next move may be, chances are you need a website. For an elegant, seamless, easy, and intuitive way to design one, Squarespace is there to help. (laughs) All you have to do if you want to show your support of this podcast and make a wonderful new website for whatever your next move may be, all you have to do is start your free trial at squarespace.com and enter offer code WEIRD to get 10% off your first purchase. Uh, Also, I want to give a shout out to my Pete's Picks. You guys know these. These are products that I personally take and use every single day. Taking quite a bit of Alpha Brain today. Uh, I'm actually sitting in my trailer and we are shooting and improvising and writing on the fly. And whenever I need to do a lot of work with my noodle or my noggin, I take a bunch of Alpha Brain. It's not a stimulant like coffee. I like to think of it as like a vitamin for your brain or a fish food for your ideas, if your little uh, ideas are fish. Uh, It's a nootropic, which means it's uh, earth-grown ingredients that support uh, concentration, memory, focus, clarity, and I swear by it. As I always say, I'm never far from my alpha brain. I always have a couple pills in my pocket before every podcast, stand-up, uh, date or writing a script or improvising, I always take a couple 15 minutes beforehand and it makes a huge difference. So I want you to try it. And if you'd like to, all you have to do is go to onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T.com slash weird, and you will get 10% off your purchase. The other Pete's pick that I love and swear by is Charlotte's Web. The Stanley Brothers, hold on. Hey, uh, okay. Sorry. Thank you. Close the door too quickly on her. That was rude. Uh, <laughs> Charlotte's Web is uh, literally something on, on set. I call it my happy juice. It helps me relax. It helps me uh, glow, healthy, radiant, vibrant, present, calm, happy feeling. I, I gave some, actually, to Brenna, one of our makeup artists here on the show, and she said it uh, stops her from wanting to kill anyone. <laughs> it's a stressful job, show business. So, uh, so she she's definitely enjoying the anti-anxiety, calming, rounding of the edges effect of Charlotte's Web. What I've always been looking for uh, was something like marijuana. It's made from the hemp plant, but without any of the intoxicating kind of quality. Something that just gives you an overall feeling of wellness, and that's what Charlotte's Web is. It's not THC, which is the psychoactive part of the plant. It's CBD, which is more of the body and uh, associated with wellness part of the plant. Uh, And I love it. I swear by it. I always have some with me. 
Um, I've had a lot of weirdos reach out to me and say that it helps with their anxiety, helps before uh, going out, helps before a long flight. Uh, it's wonderful for aches and pains. It's good for my brain. It helps me focus a little bit more on the bright side of life, and I love it, and I want you to try it. And if you want to, all you have to do is go to cwhemp.com slash weird and use promo code keep it crispy what i use is the everyday advanced mint chocolate that way you only have to take a couple drops that big bottle of that will last you a very long time that's the one that i enjoy or the everyday plus mint chocolate is also excellent those are the pete's picks try some alpha brain try some charlotte's web and i want to say thank you one more time to our wonderful friends at squarespace for sponsoring this podcast whatever your next big idea might be Squarespace is here to help you create an eye-catching online platform that will bring it to life. If it's a portfolio for your work, a store to show uh, off your products and services, or a blog to share your ideas, Squarespace will give you everything you need to look like an expert right from the start. You even get a unique domain which strengthens your brand and makes it easier for visitors to find you. It's intuitive, they have 24-7 customer support, and there's nothing to patch, install, or upgrade ever. Award-winning customer service on top of all that? A boom! A boom! Like I always say, I don't know what you need to do, or what you do for a living, but chances are, even if it's uh, for funsies, you probably need a website. Squarespace is here, and you can show your support for the show. All you need to do is start your next trial by making your next move at squarespace.com today and enter offer code WEIRD at checkout. All right, guys. Hope you uh, can check out Faces and Sounds on iTunes. Try a Pete's Pick. Thank you, Squarespace. And enjoy the hilarious and wonderful Dan Soder. I get into it. I saw Greg Fitzsimmons last night. God, did ya? <laughs> yeah. I call, I call him the, the Bill Burr prototype. <laughs> that's so funny, because yeah. as I'm doing that, I'm yeah. like, that's also my Bill Burr impression. Yeah, fucking now. All right. No. Am I Fitzsimmons or Burr? <laughs> what is this? I don't even know which one I'm doing. What is this, huh? But fucking, I'm angry. <laughs> fucking, go socks. I'm Greg Fitzsimmons Burr. I'm Greg Fitzburr. <laughs> Bill Furt, yeah, Bert Simmons. This is this is fucking Greg Fitzbur. <laughs> Bert Simmons. Ah, I'll solve a problem with my words. Ah, fuck that! No. I'm always in traffic. No, fuck I'm this traffic. Fucking locked up on the way to the North Shore. Fucking stuck. Goddamn fucking Tom Brady. <laughs> I re- I reduced my bird to just that, that fucking death. I went into the cellar. The other day, and Bill Burr brought it back to the old ways. Yeah, the, like oh, he walked in so, and just started busting yes, balls. Yeah, dude, that's all it was. Dude, he goes in and mows people down. It's but impressive. They, he's the only one. I mean, he's not the only one. No, but he really does. Like uh, Bobby Kelly will bring it back a little. Yep. Uh, if you get a mixture of Keith <laughs> Robinson, Rich Voss, and then like a Bobby or a Burr, yeah, or Colin Quinn, it's and like Norton. a barbershop quartet. You yeah. need the part. <laughs> you, you need, need the, the band. Bass. Yeah, you need the tenor. Yeah, like sure, the rhythm sections there, <laughs> but without the guitar. Well, there's nothing sadder than the comedy when there's one ball breaker with no support. And he's oh, like, dude. look at that fucking shirt, and he's got nobody And yeah, then help. everyone's like, okay, <laughs> when are you going up? <laughs> My favorite is Bill Burr walked in, and Keith Robinson was sitting there, and they just immediately, like, like two dogs that were let out of a yard attacking each other. He's like, <laughs> Keith was like, shut up, stupid. He walked in, and then Burr's like, I hate your fucking Pizza Hut manager pants. And then he just started, and you're like, and then I'm just... 
I'm just I'm like a I'm such a big fan of theirs and like that generation that I'm just sitting there dopely like oh. yes. and they're like and the bird's like Ugh. and Keith's like ah oh, I hate it he's laughing because he wants to open for you like, fuck you it's funny well I was wearing my set coat oh which is, yeah it gets cold if you're outside all day yeah it's cold colder than you would be if you were just going to the store exactly so I'm wearing like a puffy coat but. As I walked in, and suddenly 2004 was looking at me, and there's Bernie, like, look at this kid's coat! Yeah. And I'm like, oh, right! Dude. Like, something's changed. If, if this goofy, and I mean me, this goofy, yeah. doughy motherfucker can walk in in a puffy coat and just be like, I'll just say hi! Yeah. I wasn't even going up, and then Bernie was like, no! It's the old school! That's what it is. You have to, you have, to have someone come back in time. I used to fear... I used DeRosa lived in New York. And it was fine. Yeah. That's it, my DeRosa. <laughs> mine's this. Shampoo. 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 It's a, it's a one word impression. Big, a minus three. Yeah. Yours is one. You got to go. Um, no. Yeah. No, that's that's. So there was again. a Bill, yeah. uh, Big J and I on our, I told him this on our serious show, but I was in Edmonton and the opener was like, hey, you're friends with Joe DeRosa, right? And I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I was opening for him. He's a great guy. I was like, he's he's the best. He's like, I took him to a store to buy uh, stuff for the weekend, and then he was walking around the the opener was walking around the store as DeRosa was shopping, and he sees DeRosa in the aisle with the conditioner uh, in like an aisle, and he's yelling to one of the employees of the store, going shampoo, 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 and you're. You're like that. I went with Joe DeRosa to a Walmart in South Central. I'm pretty sure. It was like very close to the airport and kind of near South Central, yeah. I suppose. It's the only brick and mortar Walmart in <laughs> Los Angeles area. It's built for a war. So he, so he could return, Joe could return a shirt. He was like, no. I ordered it. It was Wrangler. Now it's this fucking thick fabric. And it was like a $4 shirt. And we went, and he was just so miserable. It's, it's one of my great really is, stories. He's de, the worst. I mean, de, he's the best. DeRosa but. carries around with him a gray cloud where you're like, you're making yeah. everything more difficult. That's what I'm saying. And we, I were think it's just for, a, we were there for two hours, and I said, Joe, I'll give you the money for the shirt, and we can just pretend. <laughs> and he went, okay. <laughs> he took it. Yeah. He took the money. It really is. <laughs> I think it's all his it's all his breathing pattern. He seems to breathe in an upset way. That's that. funny. <sighs> oh, as if through an elbow. His inhale through a thin reed instrument. <sighs> I've also been at Joe's house when he's making dinner, which yeah. is which is a real hoot. He can go. He, he gets into it. <laughs> I still say to him, I go, what are you having for dinner? Two full chicken breasts and a mound of free fried beans. Is that what he just makes? He made the two biggest chicken breasts and he's just high, like, eating them like the dad from oh. the Wonder Years after a long week. Yeah, Joe eats nah. like a, just, yeah, fuck him. Oh, I'm mad in the breathing. Yeah, he's the best. He's one of my favorite people on earth. Ah, me too. And he, um, and he used to, when he lived in Midtown, I used to go over there and he would make like a... Uh, like hors d'oeuvre platters when we go over to drink, and I was always like, "Joe, you're surprisingly well yes, domesticated." Yes, he's a he's a contradiction. Yeah, everything about him is a contradiction. He's um, he'll be like, "I just want to find true love." You know what yeah. I mean? Like he's just like, "What? You only <laughs> hang out at Jumbo's clown room?" I'm just looking for someone to settle down with, Holmes. Yeah, he wants to walk on a meadow, <laughs> not a fucking dive bar. And on the Lower East Side. <laughs> 
he's looking for he's looking for it in the wrong place. I'm getting healthy homes. Yeah. Double decker taco. <laughs> there it was. You had the tone for a second. Yeah, that was it. It's a little bit of a Philly tone. Well, it's always homes. Yeah, I always I always do fake voicemails from where I'm like homes. I've been shot. Yeah. It's always a tragedy. <laughs> there was a squirrel that followed me for three blocks. And he's also got the biggest heart for someone that's like constantly flustered. Yeah, he's like uh, yeah, he's got a Grinch heart, but it flares up into yeah. like a beautiful Robin Williams in the robot one movie. It, yeah, yeah, he becomes <laughs> artificial intelligence that becomes aware. <laughs> well, that's what makes him infinitely interesting. Yeah, this is just becoming the Joe. I love it. Yeah, the whole episode. You I want to just can't peg him. He's yeah. not a scumbag. I think he's not would, a sweetheart. <laughs> you know, he's both. Yeah, yeah. He he's got a uh, he's got a spectrum. There's That's the, what I mean. The DeRosa spectrum. I know, and it's always a hoot. It's always a hoot. It's not it's not even that he's incons- inconsistent because he's consistently inconsistent. So yeah. he's consistent. Yeah, he is. I he, love Star Wars, Holmes. And he'll tell anything you anything with a lightsaber. What I love is just I love getting alone with Joe to really his, hear his opinion about something. If he's mad, like I'm like, oh, this fucking thing. Oh my god! Quiet like, Joe. Oh, quiet Joe's the Get best. Close, I don't know. Fucking, this fucking, this fucking guy. Up there. Well, Joe was actually one of the. See, this is sweet side of Joe. When it, back in like 2000, I guess it would have been 2004 when I would go to the cellar and would have been rightfully afraid to go in a puffy coat. Yeah. What what Burr brought back. He was also. <laughs> Like, and your show? Oh, God, it's so funny to see what you think of yourself. <laughs> Is that who you think you are? Gee, shucks. He's the best. He's the best. He's doing an episode of the show this year, which is amazing. And I'm just like, just he's like, yeah, I'm gonna tear him down on his own show. (laughs) Yeah. God damn it, Dad! I'm, he's still the guy. Bill Burr's the, the the one of the last guys that I'm still very intimidated by in comedy being around because I'm still oh, I'm yeah. such a big fan. I he's the best. That it's like, and I never had that moment. He left to L.A. before I moved to New York, so it really there wasn't that. He didn't get to beat on me as a as a young comic. Yeah, and so that's it's, a shame. Yeah, you're almost like, come on, you can. Well, I've t- I think I've told this before, but I was with Big J. So the guys that like ushered me in yeah. to that scarier time. It was yes. it was always Bobby Kelly. It was always Rich Ross. It was always Patrice. It was the scariest. And then there'd be Burr. And Burr wasn't even the top dog. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he he was certainly way, way, way ahead of me. But now he's Bill Burr. sells Madison Square Garden. He's huge. Yeah, he's yeah, fucking yeah. Bill Burr. But at the time, it was like a group. You know what I mean? I mean, it was uh, – that group is legendary in the New York scene as yes. far as being just absolutely vicious. <laughs> And Keith, of course. And yeah. Keith. I mean, Everybody. they were all. It was. It was a gang. It, it was, was a straight gang. up a gang. It was gang. a gang, and you had to go in like gangs of New York, and it, you're like, I brought a butter knife. Yeah, guys are yeah. Like sharpening swords. And they terrible. beat you in. It, yeah, they really beat. I think I caught the very end of it. I think it ended around 2012, and I think is I is that was, when it ended? Because Dan, you play. Well, I've seen you at the cellar. Yeah, and I go go at the cellar. And I I don't. I can't wrap my mind around how different it is. It's still there. There's guys that that like to get it going again. You know, like um, <laughs> we were get it going. Yeah, like, like Norman. Bert, look at that jacket. Yeah, well, it'll it'll get like uh, Phil Hanley, Sam Marill, Mark yeah. Norman, yeah. Um, Michelle Wolf. There's people that really will. It'll start up again, and then Keith likes to watch it, where he's like, yeah, that's it. That, yes. Yes, young. <laughs> get her, young blood. Don't let it out. It's infuriating. <laughs> does. And then you're just going at it, and you're like, yeah. It's like, if you well, can really trash someone, Keith. You hear about people, you know, and this is the majority of people, obviously. I have to be sensitive here, because I do feel for them. Most people work in jobs where you, any one of those things, and you're gone. Yeah. You're gone. Oh, you Look it, at this. That fucking tw- asshole! 2017. If you, if you walked into your office and said your coworker had fetal alcohol syndrome face, <laughs> they'd be like, "Yeah, you got to go to HR." 
we can't even have you here. And, and by that, I mean go to HR and keep, keep going yeah. to the door. And grab all your stuff on the way there. Because <laughs> you work at HR. Yeah, you're out. You're gone. But Joe and Big J would, would protect me. Yeah. You needed protection. Absolutely. And it was Joe. That's what I mean. He's so sweet. He really is. Like, oh. And he took some beans. He would get it worse than anyone. DeRosa. No shoulder DeRosa. He has. He put a career bag on it and yeah. it slips right off him. But, but Patrice, Burr, Bobby. I know. I mean, DeRosa's legendary. Like, he's a member of the gang to the point where you're like, he's the guy no one can kill because he's just been. <laughs> he's like, he's almost like Bane. He just crawled out of the darkness. <laughs> Because it's like I had Joe List, and I had uh, like Joe List was a guy that like could walk me into the cellar. Yes, you needed a chaperone. Yeah, you needed, you needed a chaperone. Like a war zone. You were yes. like a journalist, and you had to get yes. brought in. I remember one uh, two thousand. Good like journalist. It was like two thousand eight. <laughs> we're walking into the cellar, and it's me, Joe List, Mark Norman, and a couple, like maybe one or two other people. And we're walking in the cellar, and Patrice is walking out, and Patrice knows Joe List. <laughs> So Patrice goes, what's up, Joe? And then the rest of us, he goes, and I don't care about your goofy friends. And he just kept walking out. And like, yeah, I know we're not welcomed here. <laughs> but I, So I'm at the table, and Big J is like my sponsor. Okay, yeah. yeah I'm yeah, on his pass. <laughs> and and, and uh, Burr is making fun of me. And this is when I had just gotten Premium Blend, which is yeah. an old, you know. It's it, the precursor to Live at Gotham. Yes, that's right. But Live at Gotham has lasted way longer than it was, Premium it, Blend. It did four it, seasons. It yeah, oh, and over. then they did Adam Devine's House Party. That's right. They just rebooted every four years. It's the, it's the short set Comedy Central first break yeah. stand-up show. But it was great. Premium Blend... Yeah, was great. Like, what, what, what did you like about it? It was in a theater. Yeah, it had that official feel. And Dude, did you do it? No, I did live at Gotham because you're absolutely uh, right. Premium Blend had this like, where the fuck are we? To this day, I'm like, where was that venue? That's a perfect venue. It's one of these theaters in New York yes. that you would never guess. It's on Tenth yeah. Avenue. It's like, like finding the Batcave. Yeah, you go in and you're like, shit, that's a computer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I <laughs> and remember everyone kills. That was how the Comedy Central Presents used to be. Presents was even better. Yeah, but they did it. At better theater but it was still that kind of theater yeah. where you like it was like the audience was slammed up against you but it was really tall beautiful it was great i love so, i mean premium presents. blunt so i yeah i know exactly what you're talking about but there was this weird thing going on where i've told this story before so i'll keep it brief but i haven't told you is uh and it's been years is uh i so i'm barking yeah like on uh, like on crashing and one day like literally in one fell swoop uh jesse klein and nick kroll and these guys kind of like helped me get uh, some emails and some people send yeah. some clips and do some sets at Rafifi and whatnot. Anyway, next thing I know, because Jesse Klein was a comedian and worked at Comedy Central, I'm doing Premium Blend and I'm doing Best Week Ever, uh, like you do Guy Code. It's, yeah. it's the same sort of thing. It's like a, you know, basic, why I say basic, you know, cable, yeah, yeah. No, like cable Guy, comedy show. Yeah, yeah. Guy Code was one of those things where it was such a great check to grab for like two years. And it's also, ex- like that's 20, exactly right. 2012 to 2014, they're like... But you go from zero, yeah. I have to imagine it was at least 500 a, a throw. It was, yeah, it was better yeah. than that, yeah. and it was almost... We I were making in, 500 a throw, and this is in 2007. And Best Week Ever was always rumored to not really pay that well. Right. Well, and they, they MTV2, I think, had kind of like that, well, we can't... Like, because people are like, don't you Best Week Ever make? Yeah, it's and bad like, business. It's, yeah. Ulti- I, you know, I have a lot of gratitude to them, but I, I remember hearing rumblings. And ultimately, it is bad business to pay people because they talk. We're like a, yeah. you know, we're a sewing circle. And you find out people are making different amounts and then bad blood and then you get, I don't know. And I came in as a replacement on Guy Code for Julian McCullough. 
Oh, so, no chin. I'm just kidding. Come on. He's so good looking. Can't he's we make so yes, handsome? But if he's so handsome and he kind of doesn't have a chin, he does I'll go have after a chin. His, I'll go after, go his, after his, his chin. Mo- and his mom hips. <laughs> it looks like he's driving a soccer team to a, to a practice. I'll, and he's got the eyes of a man who would sell you a dream catcher. Let's be honest. Absolutely. He's got an ointment. He looks like you should not leave your girlfriend alone with him. Because she will be his girlfriend when oh you return. Oh, my God. That, too. Yeah. And it's not just the beauty, because he's a beauty man. But it's just something you don't trust about him. God damn, he's charming. <laughs> I love, I love Julie kidding. McCullough, and it is. I trust him. Um, but, yeah, he left Guy Code, and then they were like, who's another white guy that can fill in? I call myself Stuntman Julian. That's hilarious. I have the face of, like, I'm the guy that jumps through the window, and then Julian gets <laughs> up in the tux. He's like, all right, and let's sips, go. Yeah. Sips the Pepsi, he He's gets like, the big check. Pepsi, the new generation. And That's meanwhile, I'm nursing so a funny. glass cut on my forehead. We just did a stunt. I want to get back to uh, what I was telling you about Big J. Oh, yeah. Make a note. But I just did, we did a stunt on the show, and I had to fall down like three times on the ground. Yeah. And I was over there complaining, not not like to anybody, like I wasn't like throwing a fit, but I was saying to my friends, I was like, I'm going to be sore. <laughs> this is so like something you would make fun of because we're the worst. We're the softest yeah. generation. And then my stunt double who has been on both seasons, he's amazing. He's like thrown onto the gravel <laughs> and shit and I'm just watching and I'm like, I'm going to stop complaining. Like, yeah. I know it hurts. Yeah. It y- it's when not you, like they know a magic way to fall. There's falling. You fell. And you don't realize that until you have to fall. That's right. Because you're like, I could fall. You're like, you think we, you could fall. A lot of us, when we watch movies, we're like, I do my own stuff. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You see the movement. It's like, yeah. tuck the shoulder and roll. Don't fall yeah. on your wrist. Roll. If I had one of those padded shirts, yes, I could probably do that. And then you're like, no. I'm I, a big professional wrestling fan. Exactly. And these indie guys. I know guys, what you're saying. These indie guys come to Buffalo, to the shows in Buffalo, and they're like, hey, do you want to like... We'll show you where we practice, like the ring and stuff. And you're like, I watch wrestling all the time. I'm like, oh, I know. You flatten your back. You kind of tuck your chin in. And then you try and you're like, going to do it. And you're like, no, I don't want to do this. You still have nerve endings in your back. Yeah. Even if it's tucked. It's going to hurt. It hurts. Yeah. So this stunt guy's like, that's fucking hilarious. It was amazing. And they were really getting like clotheslined. It was amazing. (laughs) And I was like, and he looks so much like me. I'll say the most surreal thing. Is you're watching the monitor and there's a guy who's dressed exactly like you. Yeah. Obviously, I don't have to explain that this is real. You get it. Yeah. And he has a wig that's like contrary <laughs> to your hair, and he kind of looks like me. Yeah. And he's and I was so impressed. He studied how I walk, which was a roast in itself. I mean, that has to hurt. <laughs> he walked like he was holding in a shit. Some, I was like, is that what I move like? Someone uh, saw me on the street, and then they were like, William Stevenson. And he was like, I, I yelled out, but you didn't see me. And he's like, can you walk like this? Oh, And then no. William Stevenson did his impression of me, and it really hurt. I don't think there's anything worse. That's going back to – talk about the old school. That's way yeah. before Burr and The Cellar. Someone making fun of, like, your fundamentals. That's middle school. That's, <laughs> That's middle I mean. school. Yeah, Mulaney. So look at the way you walk. Mulaney has the perfect joke about that where he's like, they're so specific about it. Yeah. He's like, look at this wide hip guy. He's like, how did you notice? Because it really yeah. is like middle schoolers. I had um, – You think no one knows. And what are they basing it on? Where is this perfect, regular, wasted kid that walks in cool? I recommend every comedian, especially every comedian, go get – in middle school, I hope you get your balls busted by very creative black kids because they will tear you apart in a way. VCBKs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was impressive that that acronym came that fast. But um, these two kids in my math class would bust my balls and call me alien head because <laughs> like, I had such a big head. Benny Gordon and Mark, Alien Head! 
It was the best. Martel Jackson and, a- and Benny Gordon. I know and they Benny. sit behind me and go, Alien Head. Oh. Alien Head. And I'm like, shut up. And I was, you That's know, like a good. nerdy eighth grader. I'm like, shut up, Benny. That's good. And the best one was he just goes, Psst, hey, what was Sigourney like? And I go, what? And he goes, what's Sigourney like? And I couldn't understand him. Yeah. And I go, Benny, I don't know what you're saying. He goes, motherfucker, what was Sigourney Weaver like when she kicked your ass off the spaceship? And I was like, oh, my God. Like, that was a callback to me being alien hit. Ooh, and he, didn't, he had the restraint oh. to not say Dude, he alien hit. Yeah. He, he was, was like, he was creative. I'm going to wait for you to get it. He would find <laughs> ways to, to upset me months later where I'd be like, I'll f- I'm going to fight you. And he'd be like, and that's all he wanted was just to get me enough that you like angry. And that's middle school ball busting is like man. to make you so fucking mad. God, I couldn't stand it. I But it lasted until college for me. Okay. I, I'm having a memory where I was walking. I had all my friends in college were girls for the most part. And I, we went to the mall. Cause I, yeah. I, I wanted to do a bit about how I, how am I not gay. Not I don't want to make more stereotypes. Yeah. But it's like all the stereotypes, I kind of have them. Like I, I love a talking, yeah. emoting. I do want to go to the mall. I used to like just so joyfully go with them and hold their bag. And shit. Oh. like I didn't care. I, I loved them. But they you're were almost, my friends. But you're almost like the perfect prototype for a husband. That's what I mean. Like if you didn't I was have, a husband friend. Yeah, you're a husband, a husband friend. Who doesn't fuck you. Yeah. But he loves Docker. If you, if you had no ambition and yeah. drive, yeah. you would have been the perfect husband for a super driven woman, yeah, like a like a CEO seat at the table type of woman who's yes. like, Peter, we have the meeting. I need you to be there, and you'd be like, and I'd be I, like, you want to talk? Yes. Yeah, and you're like these veggie burgers taste just like the real thing, and she'd be like, I know, Peter. That's why I ordered them. Some chips have thirty percent less fat. I understand that. Hold on. Let me go send an email. I have... Orange Tic Tac toothpaste. These are the ideas I have while you're gone. Pete, Japan is on the phone. I need to make this merger happen. What time is it there? Oh, God. Ohio. That's Ohio. My... That's my husband. That's my husband. <laughs> you're, just at, you're, at, you're at some business award ceremony. <laughs> and I wear a colorful tie. That's yeah. how I express and myself. And you go, I bought this yeah. in Toledo <laughs> where... Where Marcy's brother lives. I should be Ed Helms in Cedar Rapids. <laughs> yeah. The movie Cedar Rapids. That's who I am. I just like sales. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, where were we, though? Oh, we're talking oh, about Big J oh, being okay. your sponsor. Yeah, yeah, but I, I was walking from the mall to where my friends Jamie and Kim were in the car, and they were waiting for me. And I, I was walking, and I was realizing it was quite a distance. Yeah. And a straight line where they could see me. Yeah. And I could see them. And I was like, they're just going to get like a zoo. They're going to get a view of how I lumber. Yeah. And I could see them laughing. And I knew, Dan, I knew they were laughing. And I got in the car and they're still laughing. And they were like, we were going, dun, 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 dun. And oh. I was like, ah, ah. Yeah. It was like the worst. Oh, there's nothing it worse. It still you hurts my feelings. A walk song? You, No one wants to know what their walk song is. Dun, dun, dun. Next time you're, if you're listening to this episode, the next time you're walking and you have earbuds in, try to match a song that you walk to. <laughs> That's hilarious. There was this lady with uh, in high school. I worked concert security yeah. in this. Um, we'd sit at what we'd sit in the in like um, in our cars in the backstage area and not allow other cars backstage. But this, we would watch the people walk into the concert, and this woman had. I want to say a dislocated hip or a fake hip. (laughs) And the way she walked was she would like set her hip and then move her body. And my best friend, Mike, is sitting next to me in the car and he goes, hold on. 
and he turns on Busta Rhymes. The song, oh no! The song that's like boom, 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 boom. Oh yeah, boom, 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 boom. It's kind of been a regular, yeah. And it worked perfectly oh. with her walk, where she was walking, and I was like, she looked like she was in the fucking. What song is that? Oh, if you really want to party with me, ah! But it was the perfect. <laughs> it made me feel so know. bad because you could tell this woman had a fake hip. You ever nail someone like, so hard? Oh yeah! <laughs> and I just keep remembering that lip flip mo. And you're like, this is so bad. They should make a hip replacement that plays that song. Yeah, you you're like, now you're cool. You're in a Busta Rhymes video. There, I don't know who it was. I feel like it was Eddie Griffin or somebody, or uh, who was that guy that was? It doesn't matter. Uh, but it was a very funny black comedian who had a thing. There was always the guy in the neighborhood who, who had a limp who tried to make it look like he just was part of his stride. Oh. That that like blends alien head, black teasing culture, oh, yeah. and coolness. It all comes, it all, it all comes together. In a re- and he's trying to hear that Buster Rhymes song. Yeah, and he's where, like, come on, just make it work. I wonder if the guy that made that beat had a goofy walk. He's like, oh. this is what I hear. He goes, this is, this is my hip <laughs> touching the ground, and then th- this is one ah! foot, and then the other foot. What if Buster Rhymes yeah. goes to the park just to see people walking differently? That's his inspiration. And he's like, hell yeah. He, he goes to the studio and he goes, I got something. <laughs> he doesn't play music. Yeah. He shows walks. He goes, I have a whole album based on other people's walks. But I still, it, it, I think like broken hips and stuff and weird hips and stuff, I feel like if you break your hip, it reminds us that we all have this like chicken bone yeah. <laughs> structure. Yeah. Like, there's this weird flailed bird right in our center <laughs> yeah. that connects our legs to our spine. <laughs> and, and we don't like being reminded of it. Yeah. So when you see someone that can't make it look normal, there's a cruel part of you that's like, but I'm bones too. I'm dying. Like it, it reminds you. Does yeah. that make sense? It, it's also like when you have um, – when some, when a small inconvenient pain makes you realize Everything how wrong. much you never appreciated when yes. things were just okay. I was just thinking about that, like how in a post-apocalyptic or some sort of mass power out or solar flare, yeah. how happy you would be if you like got an AM radio working. <laughs> Obviously, the radio wouldn't work, but if you yeah. got like your old iPod, like in Book of Eli, where he gets yes. his iPod yes. playing, I know exactly. <laughs> I think about that scene all the time. I think about because I. I really – I'm not a fan of smartphones in the constant you have – I keep my phone constantly on do not disturb. Me too. Hit it. Yeah. Because that ironic high five. You don't have to – It. You look at it when you want to look at exactly. it. Exactly. It's Why your phone. Why do I need to feel – I'm at a birthday party. Exactly. Or – And it's just someone saying thanks. Or it's hey, like – can I borrow that thing? Yes. Two hours later. Hey. Thanks. I've gotten a hey. And you're like, yeah, or a yo. And you're like, no, you don't get that. You don't get to you don't get to make my hip fiber. While we're at it, when you're leaving a voicemail, just give me the area, yeah, the general area of why you called. Yeah, hey, call me back. I want to know if you want to go see a movie. Just that. There it is. I'll call. I'll... Hey, so I'm sitting here. I don't need a narrative. I don't need anything. But also, uh, this this thing where people disturb. where people are angry. If they call and it goes right to voicemail, and then you see like four, you see which one of your friends are psychos because it goes right to voicemail and you see four missed calls and you're like. Yeah, did you just keep running at that door like a circus chimp, <laughs> just trying to bang through that? You're not. Yeah, like donk, donk, donk. Yeah, it's like when a bird flies into a window and it keeps going, and <laughs> you're like, bird. it's a window shithead. Yeah, it's bird. not moving. <laughs> that bird doesn't belong. Yeah, get rid of that and bird. You, and then you call your friend back and like, where were you? And you're like, I was watching TV on my couch. I just yes. don't want to be bothered constantly. I can't. One of the main features of Valerie is is we don't have a you have to text right back policy. Yeah. Uh, my my dear friend texted his girlfriend uh, like a kind of a burn, and she didn't reply, and it caused like serious panic, and she was getting a massage. That's the story. But like, can't we all just live in a world where maybe we don't text right back? 
I understand with the jug you're worried, but no. But with even with that, if if we did have that across the board, I think it would be a lot easier to be like, hey, I I do that now. Um, my girlfriend now says that I have ex girlfriend PTSD. Oh, I I would have that. Yeah, where Immediate she's like texting back, where she's like, you, hey, chill out. If I don't text you back, I'm not mad. Yeah, she's like, you've not, you haven't done anything to me. Why would I be mad at you? Right. She's uh, like, there's not this false but, anger. But there are people that you date that have false anger. Oh, there's where people you're, where you you're date paying like, interest on someone else's debt. I mean, yeah, yes, yes, you inherit you inherit another shitty guy's debt. Like, I have to say I'm sorry because Dan, yeah. I said Dan, yeah, because no. Phil, yeah. like, cheated on you. Oh, I'm sorry that he was a douche, yes. and now I got to deal it's with the facts. It's a waste of a good fella, too. Especially, I, 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 are you a good fella? You I'm a, seem I'm, like a good I'm a good guy, and I've, I've had to it's deal with... It's a waste. Why are you writing us? Yeah. Let us be. Or it's like, that was very insensitive, and you're like, no, it wasn't. I think you're angry about someone else. Yes. And you're pulling it onto me. And I feel that sometimes, too. Yeah. I even said that to my, I don't want to make it dark, we're having so much fun, but I remember saying to my ex-wife, because I never got mad at her, I yeah. was like, someone else is going to get this, which is, and that, no one actually did, yeah. which is bad. I should have given it to her. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. You always realize, you always I realize. Like this. Oh, would you sign here? Hey, that was mean. Yeah. Should, you don't have to be cruel, but you can tell somebody, you, you hurt me a lot. I think it's also important to do that because I think you identify the person. It's like the bullet goes to the right target. Oh, well, my therapist, Dr. Gary Penn, who I haven't seen in a while because I'm in New York, whose book is available now, he, he tells me stories that he has patients or, or he's heard of patients or there are studies with patients, I don't know, where uh, someone goes back to someone that hurt them when they were like a teenager. Yeah. And like it seals the wound. Like yeah. they go back and I'm not talking about beating them up or anything like that. They go to some party where they know they are and they go, hey. You were a dick to me in junior high, and I didn't care for it. And then, like, the next session, they're like, I've been sleeping like a stone. It's, <laughs> it's, you know what it is? It's almost psychologically like you pull a bullet out of you. Yeah. It's like you pulled the bullet so there's no more lead poisoning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you're like, ah, oh, fuck my – it's, like, not it's in so there anymore. It's so easy to go, I just have a bullet in me. What am I going to go in and get? I have to bleed and all this stuff. Yeah, like, yeah you're supposed to bleed. That's it's going to hurt to pull it out, but then when it's out, it's not going to keep bothering yes, you. Yes. So there really is something to be said about going back and being like – I, I there's 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 one X that I I I still would like to be like hey you, you are shitty and you know what sucks about those exes if they're anything like my exes is they think we owe them an apology yes <laughs> and it's also like or there's like this belief that they're cantonized and they're like I was a saint and I yeah. put up with all of your it's it's now that comedy is popular. It's also a, a pain in the ass because people who aren't comics use that whole like I know you're dark people. I know, uh, yeah. I know you're broken people. And well, that's you go, what I'm saying. Yeah, but not in this way. Like, yeah. don't. I'm broken. Like, you're not a dad. Right. We're not having dad problems. That's where I'm broken. Right. Yeah, it feeds into other areas, but don't put that shit on the right. fact that you were late 45 minutes for a dinner date <laughs> and I'm upset about it, but that <laughs> anger comes from somewhere else. It's like, no, it's anger at you for yeah. being an asshole. Can't we have regular anger? Regular anger. Why does it have to be like, you didn't get enough attention? Yeah. I defy that. I got too much attention. I enjoyed it. I got oh. a taste for it. Oh, yeah. You're like, I'm, I'm addicted. In, I'm in plays tearing down the set and shit. I was like, because it's for me. I'm old me. I'm going to do this professionally. That's great. I do watch me dive professionally. <laughs> watch me dive. Dad, dad, dad. That's what I, I do for a living. It's so funny because everyone has that moment. If everyone has that moment with a pool where you are, you remember back being a kid and you're like, I forced someone to watch me swim. Uh, my dad, I remember we were at my, 
Like my great the uncle's worst. pool, and he was just sitting there at the side of the pool, just a drink. And I was like, "Watch me do flips." And it's just under. I was like seven, and I was like, "Watch me do flips." And he's like, "Like you're in the water. I can't see you do it." We've been shooting like four, a couple fourteen-hour days. Yeah, had some really long days. And on the way in, uh, this guy George or, or different guys picked me up. Uh, but the union guys, they pick me up, and we always talk in the morning. And then at night, you're so spent. Like, yeah. you can't, you literally can't listen. But I yeah. try. I start the conversation. I'm like, Hi, how are you? And he's like, what are you doing this weekend? And he's like, I'm going to this thing. And I just become the worst drunk dad ever, where yeah. I'm just like, what's that with yeah. the thing? <laughs> yeah. And you got you got wet. He's like, no, I didn't get wet because there was no one. Oh, you didn't get wet. Like, I, I, like a three-second anecdote becomes you're, the whole ride. Yeah, your dad reading the paper. That's what, what I am. Oh, okay. Well... What's Mark going to do? You're like, that's not his name. And, yeah. Uh, all right. Hey. <laughs> all right. And guess what, dads around the world? We know you didn't see us flip. Oh, we know. Because they were dope-ass fucking flips. They were so great. And they I were tucked. better than the first. I tucked, I tucked and I blew out my nose so it didn't go up. <laughs> and and then I came up and you're fucking, and then you look. Oh, now dads have phones. Dads Dads then phones. just had to stare at trees. Our dads just had to stare at trees. That's just where like, they got their ideas now. Yeah. I mean, back then. Yeah, because they were like, I'm going to leave this family. <laughs> 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 I, could, I could probably be out of here by Tuesday and no there one a, would know. There are a lot of plans yeah <laughs> escape plans. escape plans were hatched before phones because dads were staring at trees as their kids swam like but now you. dads stay yeah because they're on twitter and yes they're just right. harassing celebrities on twitter did you see what the knuckleheads in the white house did yeah, yeah. and then they're just like oh, i guess i'm still married i just tweeted at scarlett johansson isn't that weird that like some internet trolls are people's dads <laughs> like that's gonna be revealed in 15 years where you're like i found my dad's twitter handle that's like in the 40s where they were like, I found out my father had a homosexual affair. Like, now it's like, I found out my dad was a uh, right-wing, alt-right yes. Twitter Twitter troll in 2016. He kept tweeting at Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. He said Hillary Clinton was a cunt 14 times. That's and then my he dad. retweeted himself. Yeah, you're like, oh, God, oh. Oh, 2027, someone's going to realize their dad retweeted himself. Oh. It used to be a shoebox full of pornography, and it, now it's an internet history. Yeah, and, and it goes nowhere. The house can burn down and your dad's secrets burn. Right. But now it's, like, saved on the internet. Ah, <laughs> forever. At forever. Forever and ever. Like, you think it was bad when they gave Trevor Noah the Daily Show. Wait till you fucking go... <laughs> You is, that go through, is that your? You thought it was bad when? Oh man! I mean, when they went back, when it's weird when people get go to. Well, it was just so crazy to me because they like took his internet. They went all the way back to when Twitter started for him. Oh wait, they went into his tweets and, and found like, shit. Look at this. Joke. Oh, I see what you're saying. I yeah. thought you were like, I thought you thought it. Was, okay, I get. No, it. when you get a big job, like these when you days, book SNL, they're like, yes, he exactly. said something. You could see them maybe thinking it was okay to tweet in college because they were stupid. But also, it's like. When was it? If it was 2010 or whatever, it's like, well, maybe that person, have, have you talked to that person? Because most of the time we, we all regret our tweets, but that the, that's like, that. Our gen, the, my the, dad had a notebook that he wrote in an illegible doctor-like script, and he yeah. would just write like, get batteries. Like, that's how he remembered. And now <laughs> you send out get batteries, not just to your 24 followers, but everyone can be like, if you do say something, yeah. we were wrong. Like, remember uh, transgender stuff or any any new yeah. thing? We were wrong at, in the beginning. I'll tell you this. Everyone was wrong. And if you were a dad and you're just like, I don't know, you're a man because you got a dick up, send. Yeah. You're wrong and it's there forever. And now it's time stamped where you're yes. like, 
it almost should be like if someone if you have if if you read something offensive, check the timestamp because you're like, all right, this is six years ago. Maybe I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But we love we do grow we grow faster. We grow faster, we but learn also faster. We judge faster. So right. if something comes around, they're like, this fucking guy yeah. is a monster, and yeah. you're like, well, this is one example. Are there several examples? Right, right, right. That's a good point. Yeah, because the one example is everyone's been a piece of shit a couple times in their well, life. Well, that's what's confusing, and I think that's why we love to attack people if you catch someone in a shameful thing. It's because you are, this is such an obvious point, but you are whipping yourself. Yes, yes. You go like, you have all these terrible thoughts. Yeah. And you're holding in these farts all yeah. day. Yeah. You're holding in the farts of saying the bad thing, thinking the bad thing, making the bad face, making the rash judgment, the, the stereotype, whatever it is. And then someone accidentally farts and you go, ah, he's a gas bag. It's, it's- he's a gas and you're bloated with your own hate and, and all, ugliness. And, and then you're you like, just go home and the walls yes! of your house smell like shit. That's what I mean. You go home and cut them where you can. Watching TV just going like, look at this! Blah, blah, blah. Uh, ugliness, ugliness, ugliness. Because yeah. it's okay in secret. But if you're stupid enough to fart where people can smell it. but you That's a perfect analogy. smells like shit. Yeah, don't you fart in public. It. Don't fart in public. Don't fart in public and also know everyone farts. But then... I, I don't think this is a solution, but it's like, wouldn't it be better if we all just were like, we fart and we're farting? Yeah, I think it would. I don't know. I, I really don't because know. Because it, I'm talking about involuntary farts. There's a difference when you're really spreading the cheeks, oh, really trying to force one lean out. into Because you're an asshole. Yeah. You're literally an asshole. But if, you're, if you accidentally go like, whoops, I didn't mean to say that thing about whatever, goofy people or whatever, people with hip surgery, whoops. Can we just move on? Can I say excuse yeah, me? Yeah, like excuse exactly, <laughs> excuse exactly. Me. Like excuse me. Pardon, I'm so excuse sorry. Me. Oh my god, I'm so excuse sorry. Me. The same way when you like fart and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, and you give like that face of like it oh. was a fart. Your <laughs> brain is fucking farting yeah. all the time. It's a. Uh, it, I don't like. I'll go up to somebody and I'll buy sunglasses, uh, and let's say the guy has bushy eyebrows. Yeah. And then I walk away and I realize the sunglasses are pieces of shit. My brain will go, I don't trust people with bushy eyebrows. <laughs> and I'll go with authority and tell people, don't trust him. Oh, dude, He's got guy... those eyebrows. Yeah. Th- what? Yeah. Your brain's an idiot. It's... And it's full of shit and farts. And also the way our... <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a big... You're, it's a, a head asshole. Your brain is... Your, your brain's a head asshole. Yeah. Your mouth is your sphincter. And you just release... <laughs> you just release gas and yes. it's, it's odd because the way we judge people now is so critical that it's like we've all became these Olympic figure skating judges where if you falter <laughs> yes. in any way, they're like, yes. that's going to cost him. He's gonna I have, know. That well, wasn't the perfect. You didn't have the perfect run. That's right. That's right. It's, it's political, too, yeah. something I said. Everybody ha- is expected. Like, it all kind of started going goofy when people got fired for Facebook photos where they're, like, partying in Cancun. Yes. And it's like, my dad hired guys that, like, were ex-cons yeah. and stuff. You know, he's an oil man. They're digging and working physically. Yeah. You know, that's not all they did. I'm not saying, like, they were animals. No, but when you holes. I mean, they were guys with pasts. And they were guys probably that struggled with demons. And it's okay because they came to work on Monday and they worked. And my dad didn't and probably, look at photos of their weekends. It, it, there, I, when you get down to that, I worked in Alaska at a cannery for, for four months. When a I was what? Like, a cannery. It's like a commercial fishing, like oh. salmon and halibut. And oh. some of the people I, I worked. Was fish leather. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> 
just come home in a bunch of a fifth Gills. fish leather suit. You're shiny like Regis. But yeah, my mom's like, why do you look like a spaceman? I'm like, because I got this fish gill suit on. Alien hand. Oh, and I'm like, you can't call me that because I got my alien suit on. I got my fish suit on. Um, they, uh, But those guys, yeah, you're right. If you saw those guys' lives, you'd be like, oh, you do some dark shit. But you also <laughs> yeah. work back-breaking labor for 16 hours right, a day. but we're on the record. Yeah, now everyone's on the record. Constantly on the record. We're all politicians now. Every, which means we're all phony balloons. We're all phony balloons. Which means there's even bigger need. That's why the, the loveliness of Joe DeRosa, when you when he pulls you aside at a party, he's like, I'm telling you, see this? Basically what he's doing, he's like, get over here. He goes, do you smell? You know when your friend farts in their hands and cups it and puts it in your face? Or you do it yeah, because you go, you're bored. <laughs> and you go, hey, do you, do you know that guy? And you're like, yeah. You're like, <laughs> you're like I worked with him in Tacoma. And you just That's put it. So funny. Yeah. Just the the. It's funny. My friend Rob Boucher, we have quoted him many times, was talking gossiping or something. Yeah. And, and someone was like, "I don't want to gossip." And he goes, "It's one of our few pleasures." It really is. I was on set yesterday, and there was somebody that was there for the day that was giving me the willies. They weren't a bad person. Yeah. They weren't. They didn't do anything wrong. But I needed, like a fart, to tell someone. And yeah. I found someone I knew on set, and I was just like, "Look." There's nothing wrong with this person. I just want to tell you, the way they move, I don't trust them on an animal level. And that's... <laughs> and it was... But that's... The thing about brain farts is you have to... Physical farts, you can let out by yourself and you get the same pleasure. But a brain fart, you have... A person yes. has to smell it in order for you there's to no, get, There's no just quietly... You can't just walk in and go, fuck that guy. Yeah. No, no. You need someone I to go, wish. fuck that guy. And they go, okay. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, thank you. You need someone <sighs> to smell it and validate it. Yeah. And like then when pe- yeah, yeah. And when people lose it online, it's just kind of like they have diarrhea. And they're just like, fuck all this shit out of there. And right. you're like, oh, man, right. you needed someone to fart. You needed to let out But this is why we need, like, uh, like you hear rumors of, like, Bohemian Grove and stuff. You yeah. know that place? Where, like, the presidents go and wear robes and they That's burn hilarious. shit. Yeah. That's why we need, like, the woods. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because you just need to go. <coughs> Why am I coughing so much? <clears throat> I like it. I feel like this is uh, like I'm hanging out with like a guy that just came from an OTB. Uh, yeah. uh, the ponies weren't with me today. It's because I'm laughing. Mm-hmm. I would I I, I, date, I dated a girl and I would smoke like four cigarettes a week. Oh. I know it's fucking stupid. I'm so jealous you could do that. Uh, oh really? Oh, I, I, are you a smoking person? I hit, I'm going to hit four years non-smoking. Oh, next, really? next Friday. Yeah, you know, uh, good for you. Yeah. That's great. It's still like, I still smoke weed, but... uh, Every day. Every day. (laughs) Do you smoke weed every day? Yeah. You do? Yeah, I think, yeah, probably like... I love meeting a shark. Somebody could do a supercut. Please don't, because it would embarrass me. Hearing me flip-flop on weed on this podcast. Why? Because sometimes you don't like it. Sometimes Sometimes I'm just like, look, I think you can agree. If you go off it, you can like... For me, I'll just speak yeah. for myself. I can I catch myself having different thoughts. It's not better. Oh, or worse. absolutely! It's different angles. It's different angles. And when you're stoned, you ha- that's one of the great things about being stoned is it makes you look at things differently. It's and it makes you laugh more, and it makes you just kind of outside of reality a little bit. And I love that. And then sometimes when I stop smoking weed, I can read a book and go, "This is fascinating." But if I'm smoking weed habitually, I'll read it. And I'm like, "This is bullshit." <laughs> like this isn't in- like philosophy. I'll just be like, "Why does this guy just just smoke weed and relax?" Yeah, it, I. <laughs> I think it's uh, I th- like I, I like to do mushrooms like twice a year, and that's me too. Love them, and that's a different angle. 
where you just see a different angle. Right. And then you come back down and you go, I would have never thought this room looked like that yes. until I did mushrooms. And, and you can like, remember. Oh, the shadows. And that's what it is. got to remember it. So with weed, I, I like to, um, if I'm staying at my grandma's or, or I'm on the road, some places I just won't smoke for the weekend. And yeah. It's like uh, I have energy in the morning. Yeah. I, um, I I'm wish, a I little wish. sharper on stage, but I'm not as creative. Is that right? Yeah, I think when I smoke weed and I'm <laughs> on stage, I'm more... Big J uh, said this to me, and, and, it, and it really was – he was like, when I smoke weed and I go on stage, I'm more willing to do references that I wouldn't when I'm sober. And you're oh, like, interesting. It's a very good point. It's a, it really is. Your brain just goes to like, yeah, I'll make a Planet of the Apes reference right here and see if it works. And then he does it, and you're like, oh. But then sometimes you get jokes out of it because you're like, oh, I would have never yeah. thought of that unless can, I was high. It can loosen things up. Yes, that's they the best way. It's a lubricant. Up. It's a lubricant. And it's a thought lubricant where things are around. Yeah. And you know what I do on weed is I, I, I make a lot of associations that I wouldn't normally make. Yeah. I go like, why did I never notice that? What did I say to Val when I, we were smoking one night? I was like... We wa- it's it's not this, yeah. But let's say we were watching Angelina Jolie and Salt. Okay, we weren't. All right, and then we started watching Scarlett Johansson and Lucy. Similar movies, right? Similar movie. And I and we're watching. Now we're watching Lucy, and I go, "This Scarlett Johansson needs to get." Like, it's yeah, like, yeah, I just, yeah. You just kind of notice that they're the same. Yeah, person. you're like, "Oh, this is the this is the Dante's <laughs> Peak for this yeah, volcano." Yeah, that's like, it. That's like, it. It's the same movie. They just did it a little different, right? But and then even like just noticing that there's only like five things humans are doing. It's like that you need something. It can we? Or can, you're protecting something. Yeah, or, we can bum me out because then you start looking around. You're like, they're just remaking. Making everything, everything's like yeah. But I get bummed out even worse. Where I'm like, all we can do is, and I don't feel this way right now. Yeah, uh, I don't know why I felt the need to tell you that. <laughs> but it's it's a little existential. It's like you can taste and touch and smell. And I'm gonna see Dan. Yeah, and we'll laugh. And now I'm laughing and I love it. But like, yeah. when you're low, you're like, what am I gonna do? Talk? Yeah. What am I gonna remember? Yeah. He's gonna tell me something about Junior Alien Head, and I'll be yeah. like. Hey, like what are we doing like we're just spinning pinwheels you get very pessimistic sometimes <laughs> on weed you can get very like what's the point man well the feeling of that is me watching a movie stoned and you're like i'd love to watch a movie i've said that a million times but you are watching a movie <laughs> and you're like i wish i i just need to watch more movies and it's yeah. like there's one on yeah just you, enjoy this just enjoy it yeah it can make it uh, val and i have a term for it it's like that restless kind of high i get that where you're like i don't want anything i i want everything but i don't want anything that's right you're like, you're I, like I want to take a nap who cares i want to take a nap and also i want to write jokes but yes. then i also don't want to and then and then but mushrooms is tricky you've had good experiences with that i mean yeah I, i've had all, when, all kinds of experiences <laughs> what I, was the I, first I, time uh when i was 16 years old my friend Brian, who uh, is now a marijuana lawyer in Colorado, easily the <laughs> smartest person I've ever met in my life. Really? Yeah. I, he's got genius level uh, IQ, but he also loves drugs. <laughs> loves drugs. Always loved drugs. That's what united us smoking weed when we were in high school. And uh, I took mushrooms with him for the first time, and he walked me through it by the chemical reaction, which was, I think, the greatest way to do it. So he was like... About 30 minutes after I took the mushrooms, he's like, um, hey, your pupils are going to open up because there's psilocybin in your stomach lining, and you're going to start seeing sh- uh, distance in, in shadows are going to be a little fucked up for you, and you're going to want to smoke a lot of cigarettes because I smoked cigarettes at the time, and he was like- I smoked gonna... cigarettes on mushrooms. And then you start smoking, and you're yeah. like, oh my God. You feel like James Dean or something. You feel you're, the, you're, you're like, f- 
I'm every man that's ever smoked. And then you breathe it out, and you're like, oh, that's my air leaving my yeah. face. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that was inside me. Yeah, yeah. Any smoke or fire is, is welcome. Oh, except uh, a huge one. Exactly. <laughs> except one that might suffocate you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you're in control of it, it's great. And then yeah. he sat there, and then I remember when I started yammering on and on, he's like, all right, now you're at the part of the trip where you're going to think you know all the keys and answers to life. And I'm like, oh, wait, so I don't? And he's like, well, it's mostly the drug. But listen, you know, and he was this sage, wise kid <laughs> at 16. And then I found out that, that he used to smoke me- – he would smoke meth to write AP geography papers. He did it once, but <laughs> he smoked meth to stay up for nine hours to write an AP geography paper. Wow. And now he's like one of the top marijuana lawyers in Colorado. So Advanced pretty, placement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, he was like insane. Sean Penn in Carlito's Way. That's what he always reminded me of. But did you have, when you took them, for me, it was yeah. like before I took mushrooms and after I took mushrooms. That yeah. was like how life was broken up. I, I, I completely agree with that. And I'm, uh, I went through some shit when I was a teenager, and I think it was... What uh, was that? My sister died... My dad died when I was 14, and then my sister died when I was 16. Oh, my goodness. And, and doing, then you took mushrooms? Yeah. And same I think, year? I think that really... Um, I, I, I'm not even making a joke. I'm like, that's a heavy time to be like... But I think I kind of need... Spelunk. I, I think it kind of, in a weird way, cracked me from under that pressure. It gave mm. me like... Um, you know, the thoughts you have on mushrooms is you're like, oh, man, we're, we're all... We're like... Bone trees, you know, you have, like, you have like these, you have these thoughts where you're like, "What the fuck does that mean?" But at the time, you're like, "Bone uh, trees." Yeah, that was the one I had a Bonnaroo. Bone trees. I was like, oh, we're all like trees, like our our that's, circulatory systems, like our we branches. Are like trees. See, that's why. I, not to disagree with your friend, obviously, people know that I feel this way. I feel like the epiphanies you have on mushrooms are true. Yeah. Later, they feel less true, but I don't think. In the moment, they feel very heavy and real. They are and real. They own... are bone trees. Yeah, then you look back and you go, well, that's really silly, but maybe there is some but truth But the circulatory system of a tree is very similar to yeah. ours in that it moves against gravity, you know, like sap yeah. is going up. But you kind of... No... It's, it's weird. Yeah, and you learn this lesson. Like, when I had that thought, it wasn't just like, duh, bone trees, but it's kind of like... Oh man, we should really like. Bone we are trees. supposed to be on this earth because we are similar to like the way that we don't ever think of trees as these organisms that are growing and producing air for us. Like we forget that a lot. Yeah, because we're in the technology age where it's like my app doesn't work, but you're also like on mushrooms and you're like right. these things allow our That's our it. lungs to fill with air and for us to like it gives yeah. us the gas. These to go. are our friends. These are our friends. These are our friends, and we need them very much. And, yeah. and you know, you start to see. I know it's very cliche to talk about all the oneness, but you're like, there's the tree that's breathing the air. You yeah. know, it's getting nutrients from the rain, and it's plugged into the soil, and it's producing oxygen from the... Uh, I yeah, don't, I don't it admits... Really know yeah, I, me neither. This is where... Yeah, we're going to lose it. <laughs> we, got, we don't have it. We're back what I'm to- saying is you see this thing that is one thing. It's a tree, but it's also part of the soil. It's yeah. merging in the soil. It's merging into the air. It's merging with the rain, and it's playing this game, and you're like, that's what I'm doing yeah and you start to get a sense of like the oneness of everything you, and i have to imagine if your dad and your sister died within two years yeah like a might, year and a half of each other what well you i'm not gonna put words in your mouth what what did that help you process that at all i think it was um uh you know at the time when i was a teenager i was living in kind of a rough situation where my mom i mean it gets real fucking dark <laughs> really yeah uh but i was just what, a, I, you, what happened uh well my mom um and she had a boyfriend who was my godfather. He was my dad's ex-best friend. Uh-huh. And he lived with us. Where'd and dad go? 
my dad was gone when I was five. He moved to San Francisco. I lived in Denver. But I, he stayed in my life until I was about 10, where I would spend half the year in San Francisco, half the year in Denver. Obviously, I'd go to school in Denver, but then any time off, I'd be in San Francisco. Just freezing. Just freezing all the time. <laughs> it never got warm. Ever. Um, summer, winter, cold. Uh, I've never been in a warm San Francisco. It's so weird. And it fucks with you. And I, but I hate, it made me hate heat. Oh, because really? I got so used to like summer to me was like, oh, you wore a sweatshirt and shorts <laughs> like that was what you wore in the summer. And then in Colorado, it would get hotter. It'd get like to 90, 95 and stuff. But then like I would mostly be in San Francisco in the summers. So I'd be like, it's foggy and it's warm <laughs> if you're on a hill. And then if you're not, it's if you're in the base of a hill, it's very cold and you just get used to that. We are in a basin. Yeah, we're at the basin. This is and- how they make dry ice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys, we live on dry ice. <laughs> so your dad goes to San, and then yeah, what, so my, your mom has a Godfather boyfriend. Godfather boyfriend, God very Hamlet esque. Uh, mm-hmm. My uncle becomes my father, but not really. So, <laughs> but they uh, they had, you know they they had drinking problems and uh, there mom was a, and boy, yeah, mom and boyfriend, and there was a lot of uh, you know uh, verbal abuse, just kind of like <laughs> to you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just kind of the brunt. Of, Are you the only child? Yeah. So you have two. I don't want to. Well, my us. my sister was my dad's daughter from his first marriage. So your she sister was, was your dad's daughter. From she his was twelve first marriage. years older. So you have and a grew half, up in L.A. You have a half sister. So yeah, she, my Is half that, sister. Yeah. yeah, half sister. She lived in California when I was like nine years old, ten years old. My mom was like, "Hey, you should be involved with your sister." So my mom started flying my sister out, or my sister would fly out and stay with me for a couple mm-hmm. weeks mm-hmm. to build a relationship. Right. But you didn't have the day-to-day confidant. No, no, no. You didn't have anyone that you could go, did you see these drunks? Yeah. You, no brain farts. <laughs> I was just no. carrying around a you're bunch of shit. It. And you're holding in shit. Like shit. Not fart. You're, they, you're holding in like something you need to talk to a counselor. Diuretic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, this thing that you need to spill out. Right, right, right. And I'm it was, so sorry. Oh, it's it sucked. It but, does suck. Um, so they're being mean. Oh, just like. Crazy shit. I mean, my mom has since profusely apologized. She sure. doesn't drink uh, as much. She barely drinks now. When she does, she Did still she goes go for it. Did she go through the program? No. It kind of like, uh, I think my sister, it, when my sister was, uh, so my dad died of cirrhosis when I was 14 from drinking. Yeah, uh, he got hepatitis C that turned into cirrhosis. And then my sister was killed in a car accident. When, uh, like a year and a half later. So sorry. Yeah, it's all right. But when that kind of happened, alcohol, really? no, no, no. My, uh, she was driving on I-10 and got rear-ended coming off an exit ramp. And wow. she was in a two-seater truck and it uh, had trauma. Wow. Just died. But um, Alone? Yeah, she was in the car alone. Um, wow. But that was at the end of my mom. My mom and her boyfriend started breaking up when I was around 15. Like it started getting real bad between them. So they started, when the infighting happened, I was kind of relieved. Because I was Why? like. Oh, because it, oh, it ain't coming down on me. You. Yeah. yeah. Why starts... would they be? I know it's not rational. I was a piece. I'm like, I was... I'm like a bad therapist. I'm yeah. like, why were they so mad at you? I mean, I... <laughs> I'm like, why did they take it out on? It's you? not that I was just some innocent doe-eyed kid and just like, yeah. well, I don't know. Why is I was like, uh, you hanging acting out? I hung with kids that were, you know, I started smoking cigarettes when I was 12, and we yeah. were like, ditch school, and then you would we were smoking weed and fucking. Bad kids. This like, kind of sounds like the whipping boy thing we were saying, where it's yeah. like we have two alcoholics. Yeah. And then there's kind of like a, I don't mean this, you're kind of like a wayward child. I was yeah. going to say a screw up. You're not no, screw yeah, up. No, but it, was, it was like, I mean, you, you talk to a lot of comics and it's like um, the sense of humor is, it's there and, it, and then it's grown or it's not or it lies dormant and, and like as a comic, 
it it sucked going through that, but it, I'm almost very grateful for it because mm. it's like uh, it, it toughened me up in a way What's where your, I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's now just, what could Burr say to you? Yeah, we're like, okay. <laughs> You're not. I, when I was 13 and failing eighth grade, and my my mom and her boyfriend are like, "You're a fucking idiot. Like you're dumb." And you're like, "I don't think I am, but you you two are the authoritative figures. Wow. So maybe you are making me feel like I yeah. might be dumb." Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, it was always gas. My mom's boyfriend would always be like, "You're gonna work at a fucking gas station. You're gonna be a fucking gas station attendant." Mm. But it was like. The fuel to that fire was the fact that I was failing eighth grade, but then that was also making me be like, well, fuck going to school. Like, mm. I'm going to smoke cigarettes at the bus stop. When the bus leaves, I'm going to the park or we're going to go to fucking Jason's house and play video games and then I'll come home at, you know. Three. Yeah, when my mom didn't get off, they both, my, you know, he was a mailman and she worked at an insurance company. So I, I just had to be home by like six and they'd be like, how was school? I'm like, eh, it sucked. And they're like, that sounds right. <laughs> So it was like this weird shit, but then... (laughs) Oh, God. Why do you smell like menthol? Yeah. Oh, man. My Ah, science class. My mom caught me twice, and it was so... She was so fucking mad because I smelled like smoke. I have a very weak sense of smell, so I wouldn't really know. And I remember walking the house, and she's like, you smell like fucking cigarettes. And I was like... I was at Jason's because his parents smoked inside. Oh. And then she's like, let me smell your breath. And I was like, fuck. Oh, no. Yeah, and that's the one where you're like... She's like, you motherfucker. She's oh. like, what the fuck are you doing? And you're like, Gah. oh, no. Yeah. But these are the authority. This does suck. This yeah. is a sad tale. I mean, it's, it's, my mom's incredible. My mom's been through a lot of shit. And uh, she was, that was a dark moment for all of us. But uh, yeah. I don't really, I don't know. I think I, bl- I we've, had, we've had it hash out. That's the great thing about therapy is what we talked about earlier. I had, I had to have a 90-minute conversation with my mom where I was like, yo, from 13 to 16, you fucking sucked. Yeah. Like, or 12 to 16, like, you were a piece of shit. And there's no, you can't argue this. Right. I'm telling you right. as your kid, and like to have that kind of like moment where my mom is like, I don't want to make my mom cry, but she's like, I am so sorry. And I did not realize the damage I did at that time. It made our relationship fucking great. Yeah. Like, she's my homie. She's the fucking number one. She's the one I work for. Like, I love being able to take care of her when I can or buy her a MacBook or shit like that. It's like, yeah, that's, it feels great, but that wouldn't have felt great unless I went back and was like, fuck you for, yeah. you know, uh, 1995 through 2000. Like, yeah. fuck those five years. Yeah. Like, you were a shit And bag. did she apologize? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And she was like, you're right. I was drinking hard and Joe was, Joe was a bad influence. And, yeah. you know, it was that was a bad thing. I was looking for love and kind of desperate for it. And right. we've had like multiple conversations about what it was and kind of mm. where I was. And I was apologetic from being like, I'm sorry for skipping school. I'm sorry for stealing cigarettes. I'm sorry for fucking being a piece of shit, being like a this this wayward kid. Yeah. There really is a question. I, I, I don't have the answer, but there is a question of the age of accountability. It's mm-hmm. like, are you... You know, mm-hmm. you kick a dog and then he bites you. It's like, does the dog say sorry for biting you? Yeah. I think it was I think it was one of those things where it was like, well, let's just let's just clear it all up. Let's what yeah. do you feel bad about? What do I feel bad about? And let's just fucking talk about it. Yeah. And um And now does she have someone better? No, we just talk about it. No, now she's single, but she's learning how to be happy by herself. And I think that's Huge. fucking great to watch my mom be like, I got my golf club, I got my 
She volunteers at the Denver International Airport with her dog yeah. to like make people feel better. And she like gives tours of like the governor's mansion. So she's got these things where I'm like, yeah, go be you. And then hopefully a guy will fall in. Because I think it's been her and I since I was four or five years old. Right. And she's always been very much like, I have to give you. I wanted to give my son like the good life of like me and a husband and it, but then it like kind of became this point where it was almost like, all right, but are you putting the search for a husband before my, before me? Cause sometimes it felt like that. Like before you, yeah. Like I got to go find a boyfriend. You're like, all right, but what about like, are we going to spend time? Right. Like I, I need my mom in my life in a way right. of, that's like, Hey, you're my son and I love you and it's us. And I think that happened more as I was a teenager but there was a point where I was a kid where it kind of felt like, okay, you're putting these boyfriends, the importance of the boyfriends in front of me. Yeah. Everybody listening to this podcast knows I'm exercising great restraint to not talk about the Oedipus complex. Oh, no. I don't want to fuck my mom. <laughs> no, I don't think you do. Uh, I, there's, trust me. I mean, if my mom was brunette, maybe. <laughs> I'm not into blondes. Uh, I don't even want But I it. definitely think it's – I think there is a lot to be uh, said about – it, it doesn't Maybe necessarily. If my mom was a brunette. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. But I think there is something to be said. There is a connection to how I treat women in my life, and my girlfriend now is uh, the most balanced I've ever been, and the most like. Now I have to deal with my therapist because I'm like, I want to run, I want to run, and he's like, because No, 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 so no. He's like, It's good. Let it in. It's painful as shit. Uh, Let it in, and you're like, You know, it's like when someone's rubbing ointment on a burn, and you're like, Fuck, fuck. And yeah. You're like, Put the ointment on. It's gonna heal it. You have to heal it. But you have those instincts. You you don't like stability. Uh, no, I've always blown <laughs> it up. I mean, I had a two year relationship, who, and I loved that girl very much, but it just didn't. It wasn't what I needed. There, it wasn't the the relationship that would have sustained. And what does it look like when you blow up a relationship? I, I just find stuff, and then I'm like, "Get out of here! Get out of!" It's like um, well, it's like the shack. Unavailable. It's like the shack in a beautiful mind, where I just have red lines. <laughs> where I'm like, at dinner she returned rolls, and then like, oh, you build a case. I build a case piece by piece, piece by piece. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, it really is like I want to find. Like I'm I'm looking for Rico charges, and then and then you. Drop it on them. And then I wait for something. And then <laughs> oh, I'll be God. like, and then I'm like, all right, this just doesn't work. The this anatomy of a breakup. You yeah. have, that's a Julian McCullough bit. That's a serendipity. Yeah. He has that great bit oh, where he yeah. goes, have you ever fully broken up with someone in your mind? And then forgot and to then, tell them. And yeah. you forgot to tell them. And then you look at them and you're like, oh, you're still here. Yeah, two weeks later, he's like, oh, yeah, you're still here. I, was, I fucking you love that bit. built a case. Yeah, it's true. It's like. And then you have this fight and it's not about anything. Not you're about like it. referencing the role send back. Yeah, you're like, well, maybe if you would have just cared about uh. when I was in San Antonio. <laughs> you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> But how long have you been with your current person? Seven and a half months. Oh, I thought you were going to say years. No, holy no, no. shit! No, no, no. It's 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 still new, but it's yeah. like um, this weird. I'm also the guy that at the beginning of the relationship, like in a, in the first three weeks, you're the what? And like the first three weeks or the month, first month, I'm like, I love you. This is perfect. Uh huh. This is everything I've ever needed. <laughs> and you're like, well, that's crazy. <laughs> and I think some girls have been like, that is a little weird. I don't. I'm not saying every girl. I'm saying it's I happened a couple times. I I am that way too. I yeah. think there's a great potential to. I think what it is is it's optimism and it's creativity. Yeah, you're with somebody and they seem great. And you like one of my favorite quotes is "Hate is a lack of imagination." Yeah, love is an abundance of imagination. You're like, I bet you ever fill in the blanks. I bet you're kind to children. <laughs> yeah. And then, like three months into the relationship, you see them like put a cigarette out on a toddler, and you're like, 
shit. Yeah. You have to like oh, erase. Fuck, I was off. You have to erase the Mad Lib. Uh, yeah, you. She almost, is shitty. The children. There's been times in my past where I've just, I, I felt bad for these girls because I've met them and just like. Yeah, turned, I turned a projector on. I'm like, and I'm like, oh, you're my dream girl. That's you're right. everything I've ever wanted. And That's then I'm right. like, and then you de- we get like nine months into the relationship, and you're like, fuck, you that just, was a projection. That right. was an optical illusion. You put it. That's perfectly put. You put something on them, and then you are imposing this pain on you and on them, where you have to slowly remove cards from the card catalog and yep. go like. I thought you would love Dave Matthews. Exactly. <laughs> Whenever you take it out. You're like, I thought that you wanted to go to Venice with me uh, two years in and that you would. And it's happened time. that That's why this relationship, <laughs> it really is like I'm taking it like step by step. And I'm like, okay, this. And she is so patient and yeah. just so like. She, she works in digital marketing, but she comes from this world of uh, being a professional tennis player and, and, and being in that like kind of strenuous. Serena Williams. Yeah, I'm dating. Uh, I'm dating Venus. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to let it out of the bag. Um, exclusive, but it, exclusive. <laughs> uh, Pete Holmes, exclusive. <laughs> she played uh, when she was a teenager. She was, and then she went to college for it and played uh, D1 as a tennis player. And it's like unbelievable at it, but went through so much shit where she understands kind of the the job that I have in a way that no one's ever understood it hmm. where she's like, I know you're out doing this and I know it's no reflection. Cause you'll, you'll know this, that when you date, when you, when you go out and do comedy every night, that new, that new relationship goes from being like, my boyfriend's a comedian. He's hilarious to be like, my boyfriend's out every night. He's doing comedy. <laughs> it's his love to being like, he's gone every night to being like, are we ever going to date? And then it's like, your schedule is killing us. And you're like, yeah, it was always the same thing. But if you don't take it personal that that we're out doing comedy, right. it won't ever turn into that. Well, that's the benefit of going into a relationship already a comedian. Yeah. My heart yeah. goes out oh, to the people fuck. listening. Oh, and I was one of angels. the angels. Yeah, that, that like declare their major junior year. Oh. I'm like I'm a comic. I'm gonna go to night school. Nate Bargetzi is one of my best friends in the world, and hi. his wife hi, is. Uh, yeah, hey, what's up, buddy? Hi, hi, buddy. His uh, his wife Laura is one of the best people I know because she has been. She knows Nate from being regular Nate to yeah. now one of the best working stand-up comedians. Yeah. It, like, she watched him in Chicago. Yeah. I mean, she went through, was no, with him I that know. whole thing, moving And when I got divorced, Nate was like, Hi. What are you doing? Like, it, yeah. it was, I, I don't think it was frightening for their relationship. It was just like, we were the religious guys with wives yeah. that were starting in comedy, and then mine went sideways. And I, I, I don't remember Nate saying this, but I got the feeling that he was like, hey, we were a team. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but <laughs> and it's honestly, like, I'm such a – I don't think I'm jaded, but I was like, oh, they're still together. That makes me happy. Yeah, I mean, it's like um, I love watching that kind of relationship where you're like, man, you guys are really there. Like, Yeah. I hate to give this recorded evidence of me. Do you think about taking nights off? Do you take nights off? I take, uh, I take Sundays off. Just one night? I Just one night. Just the one night, We're then. such psychos. Just one night. See, I've never... Or if something else is like, I'm taking tonight off. Uh-huh. So we're recording this on a Saturday. Yeah. For a comic in New York to take off Saturday, it feels like ditching school did when I was eighth grade. It feels exactly the same where you're like, everyone's at school. Let me smell your breath. F- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they, uh, there's a big boxing match tonight that I, and I love boxing. And it's like a guy from the Bay Area who I've been following for like 11 years, uh, Andre Ward. So I'm like really excited to watch this fight. He's fighting this like scary Russian guy. So you're like, oh no. Awesome. And it's like, I'm going to take Saturday off because after this weekend, I'm on the road for 
two months well, every was- every weekend. So you're like, <laughs> this is like this feels good. This feels like did that. Does your girl come to the shows and stuff? Yeah, she can if she wants, but she also <laughs> she kind of knows. But like, you're but are you going? This is so weird of me. Yeah. Are you going and hanging out, or you do your spot and come home? It depends. I do mul- <laughs> I do multiple spots in a night. She's really great about like we'll talk at the beginning of the week, and I'll be like, oh, I'm done at nine o'clock on Thursday, and she'll be like, great, I'll meet you at the cellar at nine o'clock. Uh-huh. And so then it's like I get off stage, and then she's at the olive tree or at yeah. the stand or whatever. And you're like, hey, and then it's like, let's go be boyfriend girlfriend now. Oh, that's fun, and it's great. And have it's dinner perfect and for New York. It's 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 like a New yeah, York lifestyle. It's a perfect New York. And she's from Brooklyn. She's born and raised in Brooklyn, so she's like she loves New York. There's no like, I always feel bad for two things. You want to say people that are dating comics when they decide to get into comedy. I feel bad for the people that move to New York with a comic and hate New York. <laughs> Oh my god! Those are the people. They're like, I don't have any friends. The city is big. It's yeah. expensive, and yeah. you're like, if you, if if they're not into this city, it's going to be a real motherfucker. And the city them. doesn't want you. No, it, it doesn't. Uh, it's actively you. trying to get rid of people. It is. New York City is actively trying to get you the fuck out yeah, of it. You take three rights, there's just an abyss. Why do you think New Yorkers are always like, yeah, bro? I'm third generation, born and raised. This fucking city can't do nothing about they're me. They're proud. Yeah, they're like nothing. I can sit on this bowl for fucking seven generations, bro. <laughs> also, and then then they become like this weird New York ignorant, uh, or as Joe List calls them, city hicks. <laughs> which I, I think is one of the greatest bone trees. Yeah, bone city trees Hicks. that are just stuck here. But that's a Joe List. The Joe List created City Hicks. That's so funny. But you seem to have that. You have like an old school, I suppose, work ethic. But the, I mean, again, man, like you know, t- the shit that my mom put me through. She also was a very good single mom and like was there to be like. Like she worked a lot. Yeah, she worked. I mean, but was successful. Uh, she was smart and successful, and then also like. Did these small things that I think just made me a more interesting person where at 10 years old was like, all right, from now on, every summer you have to read three classic novels. Hmm. Like you have to. There's no like – there's no book report, but I've read these books, so I'm going to know. And then it turned into two classic uh, – two American classics and a Shakespeare by the time I was like 12 where she's like, all right, now you got to read – like you can pick with Shakespeare and I'd pick like Hamlet, not surprising when right, I was 14. Right, right. But like uh, – you know, I'd read like John Steinbeck or Ernest Hemingway and then read like, um, you know, something something else and then like Othello. And you're just <laughs> yeah. like – And you'd read it? I, I mean I would usually read – out of the three she would tell me to read, I would read like one and a half <laughs> just to get better. by. It's better than most people. But I would read like – I ended up – what I ended up learning is that I ended up liking some of these books because mm. it's very like your parents telling you to do this thing. And you're like, fuck you. I'm not going to do that. But then – I'd read, like, Grapes of Wrath, and I'm like, oh, my God, like, the way this guy writes. Mm. And then, like, that made me get into writers of my own choice, like Hunter S. Thompson and mm. and um, and certain writers, George Plimpton, that you'd be like, oh, I like this guy's style. I and love I, Parliament. Yeah. And, I'm just kidding. <laughs> P-Funk is great. George Plimpton and the P-Funkadelics. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> Paper lions, paper lions. But it was a great thing that she so did. So you got into creative, creative. Yeah, my things. mom was always like, and both of my parents were always super into comedy. So it was really? always like, with that's my, so funny. What did that mean? What do you mean? Like, like my dad and I would watch uh, Rodney Dangerfield movies, his yeah. stand-up, Mel Brooks, like a bunch of Mel Brooks. Yeah, SNL. It was always like, my mom was never mad if the foul language was from comedy because she was Hmm. like I know like I was obsessed when I was really little 
I was obsessed with Dana Carvey and uh, Robin Williams and Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. And like Eddie Murphy says some crazy shit and delirious and raw. Mm-hmm. But my mom was like, nah, it's okay. It's f- comedy. Mm. And she would kind of explain to me, like, this is comedy. Don't tell people. I'm letting you, like, right. But then my dad was like, danger. It was just anything goes. Jerky Boys. My dad and I used to listen to the Jerky Boys. <laughs> and that was like a real big, like. What was it? Rizzo? Uh, Frank Rizzo. Frank Rizzo. All right, ZZO, jackass. Get it right. But like, Saul. And I remember, like, even then, wanting to live in New York because Jerky boys. they would do the prank phone calls in New York City. I loved it. And they'd be like, all right, I'm down on, uh, you know, like Saul Rosenberg would be like, I'm looking for my glasses. And they're like, all right, that's 67th Street. And I was always like, they have 60, that's 67th Street. It's so high. But yeah. So when did you start getting dabbling in doing comedy? Yo, oh, yo, man. Your damn self. I didn't, uh, I, I think I was 21. I was, I did my first open mic when I was like 19 at the University of Arizona. Uh-huh. I was in Tucson and I was like, I'm going to try try this and i did how it. how did that go i mean I, I i don't want to push you towards the cliche but you're being funny you're writing or you're it, did, it wasn't game. writing it, it wasn't, wasn't writing is for someone that was such a big fan of comedy i really didn't understand the amount of preparation that went into a set because mm. i was watching my favorite guys were dave Chappelle and richard pryor and these like and these guys that were like Oh, this just seems like they're going up there and talking. Right. Even though I kind of knew that they, I knew joke writing and I, I was smart enough to know that. But I was like, oh, you just go up there and talk. So my no, first up sure. in Mike, I was like, Most I, I had premises. I had like the sports center premise and like yeah. all this other stuff. And then I just went up and was like, oh, just kind of be funny like the way you are at a party or whatever. Right, right, right. right. And it worked. <laughs> it the, did? For one time. The first time you went up like a college open mic? It was at Laughs in Tucson. Okay, so it was a comedy. It was a comedy club, and it it, it happened, and it worked. And then, uh, what were the premises? Oh God, one was like, um, my name's Soda. Yeah, yeah, it rhymes with odor. Get over it. Oh God, that was eighth grade. <laughs> hey odor. Hey, what's up, odor? Hey like, odor. Sh- like, shut up. <laughs> and you're like, shut up, Dan Beeses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only there was something that rhymed with Beeses. You're like, I hate you, Nick. <laughs> Dick. It doesn't even work. <laughs> but they, uh, I, uh, one of the premises was like every, all your friends think that they're like um, sports journalists when you watch a game with them. It was a really dumb yeah. premise, but it like just happened to work. And then I was like, well, all right, okay. And then I, like a year later, I really started. It was actually like a year and a half later where I was like, all right, now I'm going to do comedy. And I fucking bombed mm. for the first five months. Because I was like, I had that open mic in my head of like, I've done, I've did yeah. this pretty good. Maybe there's something here. You got a little taste. Dad watched you do the flips. Yep. And then and then I went <laughs> and up there the and the dad watched year. And then no one watched me take an ass whooping for seven to eight months. <laughs> They're all in their newspapers. Yeah. And this comic, uh, Dave Ashley, who's, who's since passed away, but he was a great guy. And he was a he was on the morning show at the radio station I worked at in Arizona, mm-hmm. and he was a comic, like a real comic. And I was like, man, I keep bombing at these open mics. And he's like, are you writing? Are you preparing? And I was like, kinda. I just have like these ideas. He's like, no, man, you gotta fucking come mm. on, man. Like, <laughs> watch Hedberg. And he like gave me like a list. Like, watch this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. These are great joke writers, and right. you know, like even older people, like Stephen Wright. He was like, go back and watch Stephen Wright. And I knew who Stephen Wright was, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I wasn't like, oh, I never really appreciated it. I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's good. We're doing great one sentence impressions of people. Not in the row, but it's also he's one cheek flap away from Gooby the dog. Yeah, it's a it's a small world. I hate to paint it. <laughs> 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 
uh, he. Um, so you were introduced. One-liner guys are a great way to see jokes because they're not trying to hide the joke structure. That's, they're, that's the joke. You're telling jokes. You're like that's the joke. Right. Bam! Premise setup punch right, right, right all there right, in one right, sentence. Right. Right. So it really like helped, and then I just started going and going, and you know how comedy is—you just keep showing up, and then it just the improvements and right. But little, did you have good friends? It sounds like you had one good friend. Oh, I, I had a radio. lot. So I, you- I had a lot of friends that I just came, Johnny Schwartzbein, who was at UCB in Los Angeles now, and my friend Jesse Campbell, who's a great comic, and there were people there that were you had um, a good little crew. Had a good crew. We had a fun crew at the open mics. Um, yeah. Aaron Panther and these couple other people that were like. Tucson locals, but they would do it like Jesse and Johnny were the two that I was like, okay, well, you two are going to do this. Mm. Like, it's clear, like, the three of us are going to do comedy. I've never heard anyone else say that. I I had that such a strong feeling. I I don't want to alienate people that don't have that feeling because I know there are millions of comics, I'm sure, that didn't have that premonition sort of like, we're going to be okay. But I remember sitting with Kumail and and then later, certainly TJ Miller and stuff, and I was like, but I included myself, and I wasn't that good. You know, what yeah. I mean? like I was good, but I wasn't that good. But you had this little Jiminy Cricket going, it's an, like it's going to be okay. Just, it's an, just keep doing it. It's an inkling. It's an inkling. You have an inkling of the like the best you can do is an inkling. The best if you have a little bit of an inkling, you're like, and you need this, to you fan that inkling. Yes, and you also have to be very patient with it because and, there's moments. There's also people I've seen in this business that have the inkling, but then they're like. Why isn't this spark of fire? I'm out. I'm yeah. out, and they drop it, and then no, they're gone. Oh, you keep the inkling in your pocket. Yeah. It's more like a spark you have in your heart or something. It, it really you, is. You keep it, and don't talk about it. Never. Too much. Or ever, really. Ever. I mean, just shut up. Yeah, just because shut up. I think That's everyone- why I have one memory of saying, I think we're going to be okay, and I was like, I think I should stop saying that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I got drunk one time and said like said that to a fr- to Lewis- uh, Louis Gomez. Gomez, yeah, Louis J. Gomez, Louis J. Gomez, <laughs> and I remember him being like, "What? Are, shut up!" And you're like, "Yeah, I should, sh- I should just keep that shit in my face." Because I was drunk and I was like, "I'm, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm meeting, man. We're gonna keep going." And yeah. and like, but then up. you do have guys like Burr. Like I, I just watched, uh, listen to Burr on Stern, not the whole thing. Yeah, but he was talking about. He's like, "Yeah, you know, there's the guys that get here and they got the straw in their mouth." And they make it, and they're famous by the time they're 24. It's true. And then there's a guy, and then he's like, then there's the rest of us. You make it when you're 40. And it's really like um, you can't be mad at how the universe treats you like that because a lot of the times you weren't meant to be famous then. Right. Like I've had heartbreaking things, and I know you have too. A lot of it, That's what comedy is where you get close to great things yeah. and you don't get it. What happened with you? SNL, I screen tested twice. Saturday Night Live? Yeah. I got, yeah. <laughs> no, I go, no. It's uh, the Saturday uh, Knickerbocker. Uh, that's not League. Right. It starts with uh, K. I'm, ah! I'm dumb. I'm dumb. <laughs> no, you're not. That's why I didn't get SNL. Uh, but make uh, an acronym. Yeah, I understand that you were trying to be um, uh, pretty funny, but uh, Knickerbocker starts with a K. So <laughs> I think we're going to go with Pete Davidson. Uh, uh, is that what happened? Yeah, but, it was between you and Pete Davidson. But I love Pete, and sure. Pete's an unbelievable. And he's one of those guys that Burr says that. Like I met Pete when he was 16 years old. Yeah, uh, we were doing shows for Soul Joel in Staten Island. Yeah, and I was like, this kid, you could just tell he was funny. You could just uh, tell yeah. he had. I will be on the record a million times. I hate when people go. You could just tell. But with Pete Davidson, the first time I saw him. You're I like, was like, what the fuck is going on? You know who else had that? Michael Che. Yeah. I remember doing an open mic with Michael Che eight years, seven, eight years ago yeah. on the Lower East Side. Yeah. And I saw him and I was like, 
Well, this guy's going to be famous. Yeah, so yeah, let's yeah. just all. It's so rare. It's rare. Gerard Carmichael. I did. Yeah. We did New Faces the same year. Yeah, yeah, I did yeah. Unwrapped, and he was on regular New Faces, and I watched him. I'm like, I could watch this guy talk for seven fucking hours on yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when you're like, okay, yeah. they're going to be famous. But uh, yeah, I, I wrote a show with Brian Tucker, a pilot with Brian Tucker, who was. Oh, wait, wait tell me about test- testing. Uh, uh, oh, so he was the head writer of SNL. And um, I was like, hey, man, I think I'm going to audition. Like, my agent wants me to send in a tape. And he was like, yeah, yeah, do that. You did stand-up? I did impressions and... Uh, at a club? And they, I did it uh, and just at my agent's office. Oh, I wow. just did, like, three impressions and three characters. And I was like, are you sure? I can do my stand-up. And they're like, do one stand-up bit in there. And I was like, all right. So I opened with the stand-up bit, but then I did characters and impressions. What was the impression? Uh, the impressions I did were... Uh, the first year I did Macho Man Randy Savage... <laughs> Uh, explaining Florida's stand your ground law. I did. What was that? It was just like, uh, I forget. I had it memorized, but it was like, at any moment, yeah. At any time, a man may defend himself, yeah. Talking about with a chair, uh huh, yeah. And it was that. It was just Macho Man explaining laws. It was dumb. It was very niche. It was a stone thing. It's yeah, like, it was a very stone yeah, thing. Yeah, it was and the then, reference. It was your Planet of the Apes. Yes. And then uh, I did Sam Elliott doing a – this would not work now. But I grew up in Colorado. I explained that in Colorado there's a city called Trinidad that at um, up till two years ago, three years ago, was the transgender surgery capital of the world. Oh, it's wow. where um, most transgender surgeries occurred. was in Trinidad, Colorado. So I did a Sam Elliott Coors Light commercial for Trinidad – where it was like, if you're born in the wrong body and you want to make a difference, well, there's a place a mile high that can make you go from an innie to an outie. And it was like, yeah. I didn't know who Sam Elliott was that whole time. And then I was like, oh, it's the beef guy. Yeah, you know, it's Coors Light high and deep in the Rocky I get a lot of voiceover auditions that are like a Sam Elliott type. You should do it. I mean, yeah, Sam Elliott should just do it. (laughs) Sam Elliott's just like, give him all the money. Yeah, but it's a billion dollars. They can get you and me for free. Ten grand. Hey, I cost high. This is twenty thousand dollars, Sam Elliott. Hey, I'm discount Sam Elliott. If you can't afford the real Sam Elliott, I'm here. Uh, <laughs> hi, I'm tar- Yeah, I'm, I'm knockoff Sam Elliott. How can he say some basic stuff like I did? Burrito. <laughs> Montana. Just yeah. asking if they have regular flavored Trident. Hey, do you have regular flavored Trident? <laughs> I see uh, the grape and the and uh, the orange. Excuse me, Miho. I hate to bother you, but do you have any regular flavored Trident? <laughs> he calls it regular, yeah. not original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Regular. You got any of that regular? I don't want to get all fancy and have a mango jumping around in my mouth. Uh, and uh, the third impression, I can't forget. I uh, oh, I did uh, Javier Bardem. Oh, another deep just, voice. Yeah, the reason I have, um, people do not realize that because of my, I'm from the Canary Islands, I haven't done it in a while. <laughs> That's great. I, the vocal cords are, uh, the reason my voice is so deep is because my uh, penis is so big, it pulls on my vocal cords. <laughs> That's uh, great. That's great. And then I did uh, three random characters. But yeah, and then it, it got like. So you got close. I, I did the UCB live audition, and then I got the call that's like, Lauren wants to see you at 8H. Oh. He wants to screen test you. So I went in, and it was like, you know, there's a lot of great... Kate Berlant was there, Andrew Santino, uh, Pete Davidson, yeah. Yeah. Um, Frank Garcia-Held, who is fucking unbelievable. 
all these great, funny people, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like, oh shit, yeah. And you're you're there at eight H uh, at home base, yeah. And you, you perform for Lauren and the director and a couple producers, some of the writers, and it went all right. I, I don't think I had a great screen test the first time, but you got another one. And, but well, then I got you know Brian Tucker called me. He's like, hey man, it's getting serious. And he's like, I think you're down to the final five. Like I don't know where you are in the final five, but wow. you're down to the final five. That is like 16 people, and you're like, shit. All right. And he's like, so stay available if Lauren wants to meet you. You might have to come in and meet Lauren at his office. And this you're is like, when you don't want a friend on the inside, this is making me sick. Yeah, because you're like, it would have been better to not know. Exactly. Hey and, buddy, you're real close. Keep available. Dude, no. even if I was in the Canary Island, yeah. I would find a flight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like and it was one of those things where it didn't become real until right at that moment mm. where he was like, Hey, next two weeks, keep it open. Mm. Lauren might call you out of nowhere and you might have to drop everything to come to Thirty Rock to meet him. Mm. And I'm like, Yeah, okay, cool. And then uh, we were filming a sketch for Above Average, Tucker and I, and he was like, hey, man, uh, it's down to two, and you're not one of them. And it's like, okay, all right, that's fine. And then he's like, you know, it's going to be Pete. And I love Pete. And Pete's like a friend of mine, a buddy of mine. And I was like, okay, good for him. And it really was a real lesson in learning that it wasn't anything you did. It was just I wasn't right for the show that year. And then they brought me back on a whim the next year, like, hey, do you want to – can you put a quick tape together of three new impressions and three new characters? And it was like, okay, cool. And the only thing that was great about that is I kind of knew I wasn't going to get it the second time. I was, I was. So oh, you went in loose, and I had fucking fun. And I, ha- I did one impression that made Lauren burst out laughing. What was that? I did uh, Winnie the Pooh addicted to honey, and it was like, um, I remember my first. <laughs> <laughs> and like when I went into it, he was like, "Keep doing yeah. it." Was that when he? Was that when he left you? I, uh, I woke up at a truck stop covered in honey. <laughs> All I was wearing was this red shirt. I could tell I'd been used. <laughs> and uh, and he like, I remember Lauren really laughing at that, and I was kind of like, "Fuck this, man!" Like. <gasps> I don't need this. I was already going to do an hour special for Comedy Central, so it was like the next day I was literally flying to Austin to scout locations for my special, so it was kind of like fun. I, I took it as that way of like, yeah. this will never happen again, so right. fuck it, man. Like right. I made Lauren Michaels laugh. That's awesome. And He's, your buddy's in the corner going like, your pupils are dilating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. my buddy's like, now the psilocybin's <laughs> taking a hold of your brain. I'm like, ugh. Yeah. Like, this is real. You know you walked into my office. <laughs> you weren't invited. I told you already once, we like Peter better than you. Please leave. Also, your dad is communicating from heaven, and he says he's disappointed. And then you utter indecipherable curses. Yeah, it was, uh, but that was like, man, taking those kind of losses was great. Because it was like, all right, I'm still. It made me appreciate it. It's like wh- what you said when you put the the things down, and you're kind of like without weed, where you're like, I appreciate this for what it is. For what it is, yeah, And yeah, it was yeah. kind of like that moment where I was like, man, this is just cool that I got to be at Thirty Rock twice, and yeah, and come to Eight H and and stand on. Very few people did that. Have done that. Yeah, you got to do that. Yeah, and I had that thought the first time I screen tested right before I stepped on stage. Like, this is where fucking Bill Murray and Eddie Murphy and Dana yeah. Carvey and Mike yeah. Myers and all my heroes, like yeah. legitimate heroes. Carlin gave the first monologue where yeah. it's like, this is awesome. This is everywhere I wanted to be. Right. Um, but then but, you did your hour. I mean, I mean, you had some other things cooking. But you just right. don't like we were, you know, like we were talking about. Either you skyrocket or you just take a slower path. Right. 
And I'm kind of like, it's a great path. And I'm very fucking lucky, man. I'm very lucky with like what I've been able and gotten able to do uh, in my, in my career and, and doing an hour at Comedy Central was great, and then turning around and doing uh, the stand-ups for Netflix, yeah, half-hour special for Netflix. Oh wow! With I got tape with Nate, who's my best friend. Hi Nate. Hey, so <laughs> hi bud. We got a house and we like Airbnb a house in L.A. and like stayed there for a week, and it was like. I don't see Nate. He's got a daughter and a wife, and he, he's in Nashville, but he's also on the road all the time, and I'm in New he York. He lives in Nashville? He's got a house in Nashville. I mean, most he's between L.A. and Nashville, but oh, wow. but it's one of those great things with uh, with this opportunity where I got to do the Netflix half hour where you're like, oh, man, I'm hanging out with Nate. I'm hanging out with my best friend. And yeah. I, get to, I get to tape a special. It's so rare that you're like... Outside of a premium blend or a live at Gotham, you're really not around other comics or, or a Comedy Central half hour. You're not really around other comics when you're taping a special. Right. It's, it's your special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to go from an hour where you're by yourself and all that pressure is to back to a half hour yeah. where it's Nate and you're like. Well, that's a good. I think that's good business on your part, too. It's like I know that some people were conflicted that Netflix was doing. Uh, I don't know this personally. I've yeah. heard that some people were like, well, I don't know if I want to do a half hour after yeah. I've done an hour. There, there were a lot. I've, I've <clears> talked <throat> to a couple people that were like. But you can crush a half hour. I mean, dude, <laughs> when you go back, when you go back from an dude, hour. Dude, I get a 30-minute light. Oh, that's so You know funny. what I mean? That's I so get a 30-minute yeah. light. I mean, do they, like, <laughs> I remember I was kind of like, do I have the material? Because you're looking at an hour. You're like, what if I, I, I tape the hour in December of 2015? Yep. And then here it comes January of of uh i take december of 2015 and then they're like december of 2016 they're like hey do you think you'll be ready by february wow. and you're like yeah i've got like 25 that i like right 35 10 extra that i'm like oh. right 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 and then they're like march 2nd and then it was great to have like those weeks on the road for january and february where you're like yeah i've got it and you're headlining so you're doing an hour right but you're like oh man this and half then you is just like, take the best part and you're like oh let's just pull all the meat let's it's just, just slap it together derby. and you love it and then it was like why not cry and it's and you know a lot of people will search your name on there and yeah. find you and there's you i mean i love doing hours like hours are great but like i bet a lot of people just watch about half hour of it and i'll tell you this <laughs> what i love even more is for those of those that really like my half hour yeah now they go back and find your hour they find the comedy central hour right, right, and they're right. like oh fuck this a whole album right my favorite band of all time is queens of the stone age and i got into them by their third album and the best feeling was going back and yeah. having two other albums to be like yeah just just that was me in. with late Radiohead. yes <laughs> You know, can I admit something to you? This, I lose a lot of cool points. Yes, please. I'm just getting into Radiohead now. That's great. Okay, well, computer. How old are you? I'm 33. See, I was around that age when I was like, I can go backwards. Yes. Because when when In Rainbows came out, right around. Okay, I remember that. That was 2007, 2008. Yeah, 2007, 8. So I just gotten divorced. I'm not trying to be a cliche. I'm listening yeah. to a lot of radio. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. <laughs> that is, by the way, it's divorce rock. If you want to know what fucking. So is like yeah. Yacht Rock. Is, oh, yeah. is like divorce rock for our dad. Yeah, Yacht Rock is, <laughs> I've gone through the legal proceedings. I'm starting to date again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Radiohead is like. I keep it's just a lot of ambrosia. And yeah. It's like so, uh, it's other stuff where you're like, yeah, I'm, I think I'm ready to fuck. 
And then like Radiohead's like, we had a thing and yes. now it's destroyed. Does anything stay a thing? I quote Mulaney all the time. I'm like, uh, no, he said, I was like, what do I, what do I do? He's like, you're depressed. Listen to Radiohead. Yeah. He, and, and he goes, and she doesn't get to listen to Radiohead. <laughs> That's great. If you break up, you don't get to listen to Radiohead. You get broken up with, you listen to Radiohead. And I go, what do you break, what do you listen to if you break up with somebody? He goes, happy music. Yeah. Yeah. You just ended something. Because you, you got out of out. something. Yeah. You, you got free. I know, I know both sides. Dude, I had a breakup where my roommate was freaked out that I was so relieved. Yeah. Just well, like. It sounds like we're similar in that way. Like if you are projecting and you're doing a lot of mental work to keep a relationship alive in a dimension that's not actually real. Yeah. And then it's long distance. It's like yeah. y- you really start to get to this point where you're like, this isn't. It was a job. Yeah. It, a job. it was a job. And, and so I've quitting your job. the day I broke up with somebody and I, I'll have a great set. Like yes. You, you just have all this free space. I had probably where like. the birthdays and the gift ideas used to be. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. You had like I, I remember having like three new bits within a, like two weeks of a breakup, and I'm like, "What the yeah, fuck is yeah. this? This is ram." And then the brokenness of us is like when you're in a relationship and you're ever feeling stagnant comedically, you're always like, "Do I break up with my girlfriend? Yeah, like, well, do I blow it all up just for?" I'll do it with anything. It's like, should yeah. I only eat chicken? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Oh, oh, should I jerk off more? You're like, if I wear jeans before I go on stage, but then change to khakis, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do better on stage. That's that's. I know that sounds fake. That sounds like a real thing. Like those. Yeah. I know people that that still like the old school guys won't sit down in their show pants. That sort of stuff. Like they that's change. So and funny. Kind of like oh, this is my suit. I don't sit down. It, it's it shows how we're programmed by. Oh, I remember opening for people and watching them put their collared shirt on a hanger in the back seat yeah. of the car yeah. or around their driver's seat. The ceremony. Like, yeah, I'm not going to sit in it. I don't want to wrinkle it. And yeah. then, I, then I find myself doing it. I'm like, oh, fuck, I never thought I'd be that guy. I know. And isn't that fun? Yeah. And then you get to take it off. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Tell, I, I, I just want to, I'm compelled to tell you this. For some reason, even to this day, if I'm nervous, like I did the Boston Calling Festival. You never know how music festivals are. Yeah. It was actually phenomenal. Okay. It was great. But, you know, I'm leaving the hotel and I still say to myself, I go, no matter how it goes, you're coming back to this room. That's great. Isn't that That's good? That's a great way to... You're just like, it's, it's going to be okay. Yeah. We're old enough now. You've had good ones. You've had bad ones. You've gone close to SNL. I've had a, a talk show canceled. So I don't really consider that a failure, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, you like had we, two seasons. And it's, exactly. Yeah. But people are always trying to go to me. New premise like, Seinfeld what? was one of my favorite. Uh, thank you. You. You, were, you and Joe DeRosa. Lined uh, paper? Yeah. yeah you need to put the lines on the paper? <laughs> loved it. I loved New premise Seinfeld. Uh <laughs> But there Why is, that wasn't a global phenomenon, I'll never know. I don't know. I told you I met Sy. I don't know if I, I didn't yeah. tell you. I met him and he liked it. Really? He was like, yeah, I like that puppet thing you did. That's great. The thing with the puppet. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Oh, you made it. We, Jay and I on our radio show were doing senile Seinfeld. Oh, that's we great. We were like, who are these people? <laughs> I don't know. I'm scared. I'm very alarmed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know who one the of you, is. One of you has to take that. Oh no, we just we do random shit on our serious satellite radio show that's strictly just for our like you know I how funny Jay it. is. Like but Jay that's is like so one of funny. One of you just has to go. This is my impression of Seinfeld with dementia. Who am I? <laughs> Coming out of a coma. What's the deal? Who are these people? Yeah. Who are these people? <laughs> uh, you know, as a huge Seinfeld fan, I can't find much. Or if any recorded, uh, you know, tape or audio of him saying, "Who are these people?" 
Really? I don't. I can't. Wh- where is the bit uh, where he says who are these people? It's um. It's. I'm telling you for the last time. Yeah, but HBO. where does he say it? I think it's. Uh, oh shit! Which joke is it? If Norman or List was here, they'd be like, they would ah, know. That's it. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Like they're uh, unbelievable. Who encyclopedia. are these people? Who are these people? And I do know. You know oh, God, I want to know now. What's up with the cab drivers in the Bay? Yeah. How long are these shifts? <laughs> yeah. Do they ever end? If you just get in and drive till you're dead. It's funny to see who influenced who. Because you see, like, the school of Seinfelds, you see the school of Attells, you see yeah. the school of, like, uh, you know, I, we, I was at Clusterfest. The uh, home it, school of Jeff Foxworthy. Yeah, I was trying to think like, of somebody uh, that seemed homeschooled. Yeah, that's the, that's the trailer school. Like, <laughs> that's the, or what is it? Yeah, the trade school of Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> that's it! Here we go. I you, knew there was a joke! You might learn how to put in a carburetor, <laughs> but you don't know how to do comedy until you can talk in a tone. <laughs> the setup is like yeah. the porch where the swing door is. And then you realize, I mean, but dude, uh, yeah, my dad liked Fox. My dad liked a lot of random shit. My dad would listen like Pryor and Foxworthy. We were like, oh, really? which way do I go? <laughs> but then I remember like Dangerfield was always the thing. Which my, way do I go? My dad was always like, Dangerfield is the greatest comedian of all time. Like he had no, there was no. And he's game. a late bloomer. Yeah, he, he was crack he was, until he was like fifty. Yeah, yeah, he was selling aluminum siding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he just started killing. But yeah. I mean, that's like a joke writer where you're like. When I went back and realized that, oh, I do know what jokes are. Right. Like when Dave Ashley told me that, and I was like, oh, I just go listen to yeah, Dangerfield. I know again. that when you're starting in comedy, you think jokes are corny. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't want anyone, but you're like, no, they make it sound like they're not doing a setup. And it's like when you're like set up punching, like Rodney Dangerfield. He goes, sometimes I think the world is perfect and everything is right and beautiful, and then I come. Yeah, okay, that's like set it's up punchline. But he does it in a way that naturalizes. But also, it. even like a joke, if someone else did it, where he did my one of my favorite jokes is where he's like. Uh, I was talking to a girl. She told me to come over. Nobody was home. I went over. Nobody was home. And you're like, that's so... <laughs> on paper, you'd be like, that's corny as shit. But with Rodney, you're like, that's perfect. That's right. He's like, my mother never liked me. Yeah, she only... Wait, my mother never breastfed me. She said she only liked me as a friend. And you're like, that's... My uncle was always trying to get me to sit in his lap. Yeah, he was in the electric chair. And you're like, it's just great. Those are like the ones where you're like, man, what a fucking perfect joke. You know my doctor, Dr. Vinny Bombats. He's like, I told him I had a problem sleeping. He gave me a pill. What he give me a bottle of sleeping pills? He said, take the whole thing. <laughs> and it's like he had these like de- self deprecating way of being like yeah. doing jokes that on paper you're like, this is corny as fuck. Yeah. But then you see it, and you're like, God damn, this guy's. No, there's. A, it's almost like it reminds me of hip hop, where I really yeah. feel like a lot of hip hop written down is like that's stupid as hell. <laughs> yeah, you, read you do it with the right attitude. And now you're like, that guy's a cool man. If you read, you're like, diamonds in my wrist, diamonds in my ears. You're like, yeah. this is yeah, dumb. And then stupid. And then on a beat, you're like, this is so, what a dangerous man. Mike Kaplan to me is like the closest to a rapper yeah. of us. I know that's so silly. He's, He's got bars. I love him. He has bars. He's I, I, got bet, bars. I bet he's a great rap writer if he wanted to. Because like, his nah, jokes well, are like, boobies, yabies, how about my rabies? And you're like, oh, shit, oh. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If Kanye was like boobies, how, like yeah. if it, he could rhyme harabies, it would be great to. That's have... like I call it Malibuya. That's yeah. a fucking Mike Kaplan. I call joke. it Malibu. Yeah. I call yeah. it Malibu. I, call I mix it the rum and rum and Malibu. Yeah, I mix the Malibu and rum. I call it Malibu. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly where. Yeah. And that song Monster. Yeah. If you had a hype man for Mike Kaplan, like, ah! where he's like, you know, they call him boobies harabies. Oh, yeah. Perfect. We're going to get Mike Kaplan a Mike Kaplan over a beat. Oh, great. Someone do it. Do it. Vegan mind meld. <laughs> With the Buster Rhymes beat. With the Buster Rhymes <laughs> beat. Oh, 
Oh, yeah. Boom, flip mo. Oh, that poor lady in her hips. The poor sweet lady at Fiddler's Green in Denver, Colorado. I want to see those hips move. Oh, give me those hips. <laughs> those replaced hips. Yeah, man, but I think it's like that's the best part about comedy is you're right. You have the good ones and the bad ones. And right. the bad ones don't become as scary and the, you're more pessimistic about the good ones. Yeah. You that, don't pick it up. You don't put it down. It's yeah, fine. you're just like you just keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just keep going and it's great. Like I love watching people – you turn so many corners in this business that it's always great when you watch someone be like, like I watched TJ Miller at um, Whiplash this week, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how his review was out for his HBO special, and he was talking to me about it in the green room, yeah, and and said some stuff that's like, oh, that's funny, that's you know, that's funny too, and then he went out on stage and did a fucking seven minute bit about it, where I'm like. Dude, this already has structure. How do yeah. you you went from talking to me about it yeah. to being on stage and having a bit where you're like, "Fuck, this is funny." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's magical. Like yeah, that. yeah. It was, it, that's always Bill Burr's the same way. Oh my god, you'll you'll see Bill Burr say one thing and then I uh, like Nate's got that. Nate, I'll, I remember one time I had a phone conversation with Nate where he he was like watching this thing about people buying tigers, and then I saw him t- two months later and he had an eight minute chunk that was tight. <laughs> About people buying tigers. And you're like, all right, fuck me. Like, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. Fraud comedians. Yeah. I'm going to quit is the only compliment. It really is. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. I'm a fraud. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fraud. When I watch Kurt Metzger, I'm always like, I am a fraud. That Boiled means, hams? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Do you know what I don't like is Walmart. And then he just fucking nails it. Big J, too. Big J is so goddamn funny. Just off. The co- like I watch him on stage. I'm like, ah, I'll never be that good on stage. Shampoo, shampoo, shampoo. <laughs> I loved his hour special. Joe DeRosa's hour special was fucking phenomenal on Comedy Central. Shampoo, that shampoo, 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 shampoo. Get it wasn't even on stage. Yeah. It was in a store. It's such an obscure where reference. Joe was curt to a woman working in a Dwayne Reed. Shampoo. 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 It was fine. Yeah. Fine. Fine. Uh, that's hilarious. Where? What, were you, what did you say? Uh, we were talking about uh, feeling like a fraud. Yeah. yeah. Well, we always talk about, uh, we kind we, you, you talked about some heavy stuff. But the meaning of life, I know it's yeah. kind of seems sports, but we're in the last 20 minutes here. What do you what do you think is going on here? Whenever I'm walking to the podcast, I'm like, I'm going to go see Dan. Yeah. And here he is in your 33. Third be 34 year. next week. Th- okay. 30, yeah. th- and you're, you're stuck in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're in that all day. Yeah, I'm in like... What's that like? I mean, you're going around, you're having lonely thoughts, you're having good thoughts, funny thoughts, you have ups and downs. What is this? How do you how do you process life? I'm very... Um, the meaning of it. I, quitting drinking changed my life in a way that um, I am glad that I drank for so many years, mm-hmm. and then I'm really glad that I came out of it. And the best... Li- why? Be- why? Yeah, because right. it gave me a clarity... I mean, why? Do you, why were you glad you drank? That was because that was it was so much fucking fun, man. It was so much fun. In fact, one of the first times we ever hung out was at Just for Laughs Chicago, and we did this TBS taping, and I was just fucking boozing. I was grabbing beers, and I was going downstairs and trying to get shots while they were taping, and they're like, yeah, "We can't give you a shot right now." And I'm like, "So let me get a quick Jameson." And they're like, "Who the fuck are you?" And I was out back smoking cigarettes. I was just a real piece of shit, but I had so much. fun fun and i had these like crazy experiences of being on the road doing these shitty one night one nighters which i think the drinking made it better and worse it made it better to, no i know what you mean it made it better to go through it hammered 
But then I was hungover and doubting myself, and the lows were low, but the highs were high. I remember the first club I was at where the wait staff just assumed, of course I wanted a shot. Yes. You know when they just hand you a shot? And you're oh, like, when you're on stage and you're like, okay. And yeah. you're, I, I was emceeing. Yes. And the shot was like this way of being like, you're with us. Yeah. Are like you, I wanted you the wait staff to like me so badly. And I was like, all right. And that's how... That's why I say I appreciated the drinking because I was friends with the wait staff in Tucson and then I was friends with like bartenders here and you know I I barked at the Boston but it was the Comedy Village. Uh-huh. And the way I got around my barking was uh Joe List was hosting the shows on Mondays and I would sit on the stool in the front in between where the Boston was in the in the firehouse mm-hmm. and I would sit on that stool and have a beer. Remember the stairs up? There was like the the stairs into the apartment building. Uh-huh. I put a beer on the inside of the of the doorway, and then I was friends with the waitress, and she would give me these like double shots of Jameson. So I'd walk someone into the show, sit them because I wasn't going up to like twelve thirty on Mondays. Yeah, so I would like get hammered, and it was like, <laughs> yeah, maybe comedically not the best idea. No, but, I understand, but it made Mondays so much fun. It's so interesting. I never. Looking back at that time in my life, I never, ever, ever, ever would have considered drinking or doing drugs. Now, I'm kind of – it's actually a little chilling. I'm like, of course I would have done something. Like, yeah. you would have sobered up by the time you went on even. And, and even or then, you could get drunk. Uh, or you could get drunk, but you would also be like um, – it felt like a party. It felt like you were yeah. going to a party. So you're like – Monday nights were like long and shitty and yeah. you know how it is. Barking, people tell you to fuck off. And right. Like, hey, when I see a comedy show, I'm like, fuck you. You're you know, probably yeah, yeah, not yeah. even funny. And you're like, all, all right, right. I'm just trying to do this. I'm actually thinking back now and I'm just like, wow. I was like – it makes me feel like Ted Kaczynski. I was just doing that <laughs> sober. I was yeah. just like, hello. Yeah. I had a coffee earlier. Yeah. <laughs> just like, Meanwhile, I'm like, yeah, there's whiskey on my breath. <laughs> Welcome to see me talk about stuff. <laughs> Um, but then quitting, um, uh, and, and being able to, to do comedy and then kind of like a year into me doing it as a job, a year into me just being a comedian, it was, I, I kind of had this feeling of like, if I don't stop drinking, this could go away and I don't want this to go away. Mm, you had something to... It's, it was so, it, I quit drinking and then it was like, you know, Nikki Glaser gave me this book, The Easy Way to Quit Drinking by Alan Carr and it, it I've really... I've heard of that. It's a great way. Is that like the easy way to quit smoking? It's exactly the same way. Really? But, but it's tailored for drinking. And it's like um, the AA thing wasn't going to work for me because I've had so many family members fail in AA that I don't – I think the AA, AA program is perfect. And I think if you have a drinking problem, uh, it's not perfect, but it's perfect for a lot of people. Yeah, we're, it casts a broad net. It casts a broad net. And if you have a problem, go see them and try it out. Yeah. I was lucky enough that this book kind of put drinking into a perspective for me that I was like, I don't. What did it do? I, it's my understanding the smoking one is like this he, is it's like your friend. This is what's happening to you physiologically. Is that what exactly? It, that's and what that's it exactly is? what the drinking book is. Really, but he explains it from more of a social aspect of like, listen, alcohol is taxable poison that has been socially has been deemed socially acceptable, and it's not. You're just drinking poison, and you had to learn how to like it, and you had to like. Yeah. And, and there's certain wow. cha- and there's and there's certain chapters where he's like, yeah, uh, some people thinks some people think that it gives them confidence. Well, it doesn't. It actually numbs you. And he explains the scientific thing of like you're numbing yourself. And it's like in a social situation, if you're afraid of to go out not drinking, just know that when you were five years old and you went to a birthday party, it was awkward for the first fifteen minutes. But then an hour in, you're running around and you're having fun, and you you don't want to leave the birthday party. Yeah, that's what it is when you're an adult and you go to a party and you're not but drinking. We can't take those five minutes. Those five minutes are like, minutes. give me a beer. I need something in order to soothe me. Right. right. So <clears throat> going through that book and con- I still smoke pot, 
I still do my, every day, but maybe that's a problem <laughs> that I don't know yet. That's they don't have the easy way to stop smoking pot yet. If they did, I'd be like, that's that's not true. There's no easy way. It's a mindset. <laughs> but that, like using that book, I was just able to quit, and I was able to kind of like have this perspective of like, man, I'm fucking lucky. I'm so lucky I get to do this job, mm. and it really is like. I feel like uh, through everything I've been through when I was younger and a teenager and in my 20s and now I'm in my 30s, it's like I just try to keep the two pillars of my life to be empathy and appreciation. Because mm, I feel like if you – if I can use that as like my north star and just kind of go that way, yeah. I don't feel like I, – I, I hope to avoid hurting a lot of people or, or people. I don't want to hurt anybody. Right. But sometimes you hurt people and I think you unintentionally hurt people. Right. Uh, and second, it's like to appreciate everything. Like we were talking about, you appreciate like small, like this water bottle that I got in a gift bag from Comedy Central. Yeah. It's like it makes water cold, Keeps it cold? for six hours, yeah. and you're like, oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, but yeah, it is yeah. like the appre- book of Eli. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> book of Eli, fucking iPod scene. Yeah. But even like the ability that I can pay for this boxing match tonight, I, yeah. I have the money to pay for this pay per view. Yeah, and I'm in a position in my career where I can take a Saturday night off. Because I'm going to be on the road for the next two months. And it's yeah. like, man, it's fucking great. Like, thank you yeah. for this. Like, just thank you for this. And the, I feel like the empathy informs the gratitude as it well. Really, I it mean, it pushes themselves. Yeah. And the more empathetic you are, the less angry you are to be, like, you know, when you do miss out on big stuff. Because you're like, okay, well, I don't know what they're feeling. I don't know what they're thinking. And right. so I can't put myself don't in that position. Don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. Yep. Just keep moving forward. I also love these books like The War of Art and, yeah. uh, and The Alchemist. And there's all these books that you can kind of read where you're like, oh, man, like maybe me being upset isn't the best way to go about this. Yeah. Maybe this is my ego getting involved where it doesn't need to be involved. Right, right, right. Change like, the narrative a little You bit. change the narrative and kind of be like, all right, let's just get back to work. I think it's all about trying to enjoy everything. That's yeah. really and, – and that's a Gary Shandling thing too is like if you can just ease into things mm-hmm. and just be present and, and be there. Not, not your dad reading the newspaper. Watch yeah. the dive. Do the flips. Whatever yeah. it is. And relax into it. Because, like, when I say I'm coming back to the hotel room, that is a great thing to hold in your mind. But when I'm on stage, and it sounds like you do this too, I'm trying to, all, I'm trying to do stand-up while I'm enjoying stand-up. Yes. And as I'm doing this podcast, I'm trying to enjoy the podcast while also kind of thinking about what I want to ask you about or, yeah. or the time or whatever it might be. But you, I love the, the thing. I love saying to myself, enjoy everything. Everything. Just try to enjoy everything. Even the shitty things. You didn't yeah. get SNL. Some, like I, I like was having a, a grumpy day the other day, and I was just kind of like, I, I just think of Val. I told this to Val, and she's like, "That sounds like something an insane person would say." And I was like, "I know," but I kept picturing uh, someone laughing at me. Yeah. But it was it was voluntary. It yeah. wasn't like an apparition. I was picturing somebody laughing, just kind of going like, "Look, he's so grumpy. He thinks eating that orange is going to make him feel better." <laughs> yeah, dude. He thinks I, he needs coffee. I will catch myself in yeah. those moments all the time, just yeah. like my fuck. You can't find my fucking jeans that I want to wear, and and all this <laughs> Look, stuff. He needs his jeans. It's great if you could put that voice in That's your head, it. and you're like, "It's a great voice." Yeah, it's a great voice to have in your head because you're like, "What the are flight you?" Is delayed. Well, it's almost like, "What are you mad about?" And where are you going? What do you go read about Yemen? Yeah, like, exactly. Go fucking realize that on on perspective, you're not. Not yeah. having that tough of a time, dude. Right, right. Like, but we forget, and that's well. Why. Also, the way that technology is marketed today is you should never be inconvenienced, mm-hmm. and it's like that's and the way. As soon as you pharma- are, pharmaceuticals and technology are both like you should never be sad, and you should never be inconvenienced, and it's like. 
No, you need those two. Yep. You need those two to Absolutely. understand. It's like, I don't want to sound like too big of a nerd, but Dostoevsky said, like, you can't know happiness without truly knowing sadness. Right. And it's true. Like, well, I don't, I, don't, wanna, I yeah. can't appreciate my girlfriend. I appreciate my girlfriend more because my sister's dead. Yeah, there you go. Because it's like, because my dad died or, or didn't have a relationship with me, I appreciate my friends that have stayed, like Nate and these right. people that don't necessarily live in the same city, but we keep a relationship. That's right. Uh, Joe DeRosa lives in yep. L.A., yep. but I see him in San Francisco. We hang out all weekend. And it's like he still lives in Brooklyn, That's and we're right. still fucking hanging out all the time. That's right. And I love that shit. Well, it's Alan Watts too. That yes, we're the book. To... I fucking what, what love book? Alan. I love the, the book. Al, the Alan Watts book. There's an Alan. It's what's called the, the book. It's called the book. Yeah. Oh, really? I yeah. don't know that one. Oh, it's great. I what he says we're trying we're trying to I can't do him yeah but he's like we're trying to make a world where there's winning but no losing he, you have to lose <laughs> losing is the he's best like, and there's no point there's no point there's absolutely no there's point. absolutely no point. and when he says it you're just kind of like holy shit yeah it's also amazing. like Malcolm Gladwell where he's like it's it takes this along and you're like that soothing voice we're like okay yes yeah, let's do it I but agree I had a moment I played uh, Pop Warner football and I always thought this was so mean and unnecessary when I was a kid and now as a 33-year-old man I look back 21 years 22 years later and I'm like this, that's hilarious I was on a Pop Warner football team and we lost 116 to 0 <laughs> like we got so destroyed that parents were yelling at the refs like stop it stop like they're <laughs> it's done why are we playing a fourth quarter and you're like <sighs> you're just on the losing side and you're like alright and it like it hurts and it hurts more you had to, you had to hustle back out oh, to the line God. of scrimmage just to get the shit kicked out of us <laughs> but at 33 I'm like man that's hilarious yes. and I'm glad I went through that it's the retelling yeah of, we're like that's what the that's the great thing about comedy is as a job you get to mine these Terrible things that happen to you, yep. and make fun of it, and it makes it easier. Yep, it just makes that it... was in Rob Bell's book. I'm going to plug Rob Bell's book. It's called "What Is the Bible," and he talks about that's the meaning of God. That's the meaning of God is to take the shit we went through and retell it. Yeah, like a good story about losing a hundred whatever it was to. Nothing. Yeah, where you're like, oh man, how can I? Everything that sucked later, that's what redemption is, becomes the story that you savor the water in your boot and the fact that the car slid off the mountain and yeah. like and and then it started to rain and then your shit was on. And the fire. booker said you sucked exactly. and, and you didn't want to go and you got heckled and yep. you bombed and you sweat. How much do I savor it wasn't even that bad the first time I went up at the comedy connection, the first club I ever performed at, or one of the first, they said, Call us in six months and it broke my heart. Yeah. It's not even that bad. But when I tell that story, I'm like, and then she turns to me and she goes, call us in six months, sweetheart. Like trying yeah. to milk it. Yeah. And you're like, I just remember, I remember there was, you could hear nothing. I remember like yeah. bombing at an open mic and laughs in Tucson where I just started every joke and never, I was like, do you guys ever go on to, oh, God damn it. <laughs> like, do you guys, uh, and we can look back and it's not because we're like wildly successful. It's because we're trying to learn as grown people. To enjoy everything, yeah. including the unenjoyable parts. That's, and I remember bombing, going to the back of the room, putting my head in my hands, and smoking a cigarette and being like, 
what the fuck am I doing? That's so funny. And then that feeling of like, oh, you know what you're doing. Yeah. You just, you just kind of got to take the lumps. But that's the giggling guy going like, look at you. You're what so are you sad, sad about? You're so sad about the Three minutes, minutes of yeah. the 20 people that aren't going to ever yes, remember you? That's it. Uh-oh. That to me is life. Is now when I watch Netflix or something fucking Handmaid's Tale with yeah. Al and I miss a line. I used to go, what did she say? And sometimes I still do. But now sometimes I just go, what could it have been? Not in a resigned, apathetic, sad way. Just yeah. kind of like... It's okay. You won't really remember watching no. this. <laughs> don't, you don't have to. You don't have to chronicle it. Unless it's the end. If yeah. it's the reveal. If, if they're just eating a meal. I don't need to know. Did she say cornbread or was it wheat? What bread is it? But it because I think humans are innately nervous because we're still animals. Yeah. So we're like, is that a piece of information that I might need later that right. might save me? Right. It, it might... Are those the berries we can eat? Is that Yeah. Is that going to stop the predator from hunting me? This is where we hide? <laughs> yeah. No, you, no, no, that was just uh, a woman in a bonnet. It was just a catchy saying. Yeah. It was just a, it was just a fun phrase for her to say in a Crying fucking time. every episode. In a timepiece. She cries so much. <laughs> Always in a strong way, but mm-hmm. it's like, there's a lot of crying on that show. I feel bad of, for her. A whole lot of crying. <laughs> Yeah, I think. It's, well, what about what a god in any any frame of that? Yeah, I think that I, I think that humans are too small to understand. Shampoo, shampoo, <laughs> shampoo. Dude, so you're kind of an agnostic. I'm a, I'm definitely agnostic. Yeah, 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 I, yeah I'm yeah, kind of yeah. like um, I think it's uh, arrogant for mm. humans to think that we know what we are. Mm. I think it's a very arrogant thing to be like uh, the. Lord chose me to do this, yes. and listen, and it's my Lord. It's my Lord, not your Lord. It's yeah, my. Yeah, it, yeah. I think there's. Um, I think that religion helps a lot of people. The way I, I look at religion, the way I look at AA, mm. it's like if it's going to help your life and it's going to make you a better get person, get in there, get in there and do it. Yeah, I don't necessarily need religion, but I need God. Mm. I, I, I believe in God. I believe in Sounds a like divinity. It. I believe in a thing that. When you die, the answers are, I've done mushrooms. I know there's a different <laughs> level of consciousness. There just is. You take mushrooms and you're like, oh, shit, we are dumb monkeys. Yeah. Like, that's what mushrooms are. It's a pl- and that's a place you can visit. You can visit it. And you don't want to seen- live there. Yeah, 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 But you come back down to this plane and you go, I have a little more information. Right. About the, the fa- I have more information about us having less information. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's what mushrooms are. You're you like, go and you go, oh, there's no way to describe this. Even though you can feel in every fiber of complete understanding, you're like, like your friend said, yeah. I get it. And then you come back and you're like, I get, we're not going to, we don't get it. Yeah. I get that we don't get it yeah, is yeah. the best way to describe it. And it's. That's nice. That's with, the first step of wisdom. Yeah. Admitting you don't know anything. You don't know anything. Yeah. And I think that's what, um, I'm, I'm, that's why I, as an adult, I became fascinated with science and I've became fascinated with philosophy and stuff because mm. it's like, oh, these are all different people's takes and, and there might be this. And mm-hmm. I like reading about Elon Musk's simulation theory and I like reading about the Kepler space telescope and these different forms like, you know, hex planets and like all this weird shit where you're like, man, we don't really know. And, and the universe is so big that and then it makes it in a weird way, come back to your life and be like, so just enjoy this cool glass of water. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then yeah. don't worry about the rest. It's That's like right. The, a fly... Do less. The way I try to explain our creation or our existence is it's like a fly understanding the rules of the NFL. <laughs> it's like there's no way a fly will ever understand what 
defensive pass interference is. <laughs> the fly's like, well, you know, in college it's only 15 yards, but in the pros they mark the ball where Ma- the current's Ma- of the foul. Yeah, really, yeah. It's very low but very high. Yeah. <laughs> Not understanding that you get 10 yards for a hold. Yeah. Grabbing jersey. Uh-huh. But it's... It's also like that's the best part about li- uh, like life and kind of comedy is like I grew up watching wrestling. I still watch wrestling and it's like fun to do an accurate Macho Man and people are like, I love Macho Man. And you're like, man, I didn't know so many people were into wrestling. Yeah, I didn't know this person yeah, was into yeah, it. Yeah, and yeah. It's, or that was like a time period where people were into wrestling. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's um, – That's great. Yeah. Flies understanding the rules of the NFL. Yeah, that's how I but feel But there is it. something – I like that too because one, we sometimes say dogs trying to understand the internet. The internet yeah. does exist to a dog, but it doesn't know about it. And we, I'm with you. The mystery is never going to be something you hold in your brain no. perfectly. Yeah. But there is still a thing. There's a thing. There's a thing. There's a thing, and I think it's hard. My atheist friends, it gets to be a bummer sometimes because I'm like, so it's just what? It's over, and that's it? And they're like, yeah, do you don't remember before you were born? And you're like, yeah, but I don't think you're supposed to remember before you are born. And I don't think you're, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's funny. I just had this amazing conversation with Penn Jillette, who is a gorgeous atheist. Yeah, and, he, and it's so intelligent. So intelligent, and he really opened it up for me. I'd love to have him on the show. I'm going to try and make that happen. But he, I'm with you that a lot of, the majority of atheists that I have talked to, but they're all comics, so mm. who knows if they're good <laughs> representatives of the group, but they do tend to be that sort of like, no, nah, it's fucking Bullshit. It's I'll all do it done. Burr. Yeah, fucking, fucking stupid. Dude, you fucking die, and that's fucking it. Yeah. The fucking lights. <laughs> the lights are fucking out. And then Pendulette, you're like, well, is there a God? He's like, maybe. I don't think the evidence shows it, but it could be. There could be. Yeah. The science. The, yeah, it's, and you're like, is there a hell? He's like, maybe. We don't know. Yeah. And he did this thing, and we're going to do it on the show. He was just like, the declaration of I don't know, he was like, no king, no go- no government, no religion had ever had the balls to declare we don't know. And he was like, that was the beginning of the atheist movement when he yeah. was like, we don't know. And it's more about not knowing than it is, than it is about saying there isn't a God. And that's He's a better way. There could be. Yeah. Because he goes, I believe in, in infinite possibilities, but I don't think the evidence supports it. And then as a, I love that take. It, it is because it's more of a... It's it. You're hedging your bet. Right. You're like, listen. It could be. It could be. But then he. I'll also, tell you what. The Sa- the the Los Angeles Rams could win the Super Bowl next right, year. Right. Exactly. Probably not. Well, that's the thing about the the thousand sided die and you throw yeah. it in a well and it could have landed on eleven. It could have landed on anything. We don't know. Yeah. And now it's an infinite sided die and you know I mean if it really is infinite then there is a god. But yeah, exactly because then you're like well then there's just then it would just be pure chaos but then people break down chaos theory who are atheists and they're like there is order to the chaos and you're right. like whatever. I fucking now now I'm too dumb. Now I'm out of my fucking pay yeah, grade. We both are. But it's what you feel and it just uh to me it's always felt like that everything that's happening on this there is reason but we don't know the reason and yeah. we're not supposed to know the reason because we're fighting our own way through this talk about the simulation theory if this is a simulation I think we pick the perfect size planet yep. to be you still see photos and you're like where the fuck is that yeah dude it's great that's I, on here you're like where dirt can, meets water there yeah exactly yeah so it's just big enough there's just enough types of people there's just enough information there's just enough history there's just enough everything to keep us in a game where we're looking for it and we're interested, and I'm not saying we're always captivated, yeah. but we're not always bored either. It's kind of, and we're floating in infinity. We're floating in infinity. So the fact that it is, 
that this is happening at this time with this order and this thought process and it leads you to this. It's almost like this belief of like, all right, well, our world is big enough where you keep containing knowledge. No one dies at 90 and is like, I learned everything. There's right. nothing left right. to do. But it's a relay race. It's a relay race and it really is like you keep going. So it would make sense if this was a simulation theory to be like – all right, well, let's go back to this or this planet. Let's work on this yeah. because maybe the existence that we don't know about is permanent. You just have all the knowledge. Right. You have everything, and it's kind of boring, and you're like, this well, sucks. That we need me, to go to something that makes it hard. But see, to go back to Alan Watts, starting in a place of every of knowing everything yeah. and then creating a game of hide-and-seek where you're like, let's, let's forget to learn again and, and come at it from different ways, that sounds – even if that's not a simulation, that seems to me intuitively what we're doing yeah. is, is figuring ourselves out. Because when you learn certain things, they feel familiar. Yeah. You learn, and when, when you take mushrooms, you go, why does this feel so... You, and it's almost scary. It yeah. can scare a lot of people yeah, because yeah, you're yeah. like, I felt this. Yeah. Why am I feeling this? It's that feeling... And it's the feeling of knowledge that my friend said, that, that Brian said when we were 16, where he goes, yeah, you think you're solving all the problems of the world. Your right. brain feels like it's solving all the problems of the world. And like, okay, well, then, but why? Yeah, why yeah. is that one of the... And why is Bone Trees, I think, a completely valid epiphany? But it, when you're in that state, you're going, I'm the child 15 minutes into the birthday party and I've relaxed. Yes, yeah. And, and that's what I love about all of this stuff yeah. is, is the people that do the work. I'm trying to do the work as best I can, whether it is meditation or psychedelics or deep study or fasting or whatever it is, mm-hmm. come back with a, a message very similar to mushrooms. Even if you have a bad trip, most of the time you're getting a message of like, relax. Yeah. If you, if you can, if you can, <laughs> if you can somehow program yourself to where your muscle memory is on relax and learn. Yeah. Scary things really become a lot less scary because you're like, this is a lesson. Yeah. And it, yeah. it, no matter how scary it is or, or how dire it seems to pull the – to your mind, you, you know, you want to pull the great the gold out of the dirt where yeah. you're like, okay, this is – I can hold on to this. Right. And then you value it. You know, the values – the lessons that I've learned from – Going through things like my sister being killed in a car accident, which is so sudden, and I, you know, and learning like, all right, well, maybe if I say I'm going to call someone, I'm going to call someone, right? Because that's taught me that, like, yeah. and not in a way of like I'm a bad person because I didn't call her, but I wanted to call her the whole week she died, mm, absolutely, and she didn't, and I didn't call her, and I kind of felt like this. Well, if I would have called her, would have separated? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. It probably wouldn't have changed anything, but. Now I've learned that lesson of like, if I want to talk to somebody, I need to fucking call them right now. But that's the game too. Yeah. Is the loss and the impermanence is, is built into it because if, if we all lived forever. You wouldn't learn shit. You wouldn't learn shit. You wouldn't have to learn shit. And ice cream wouldn't taste as good. Fuck no. And either would <laughs> fucking grandma style pizza, which I'm going to order one today. <laughs> What's I'm grandma put, style? Oh, it's the corner ones. Cooked it's, poorly? Yeah. <laughs> with just disappointment that you're not your cousin. <laughs> Not your cousin. Uh, yeah, you know, grandma's always more important, more impressed with the cousin than you. <laughs> I love it. Do you still talk or feel any connection to your father or your sister? Yeah, man, every day. Really? Every day. Uh, I had an aunt that I was very close to that passed away in 2007, and I think about those three every single day in a way of um, I, I, to call it a prayer is, is not right, but like a little personal mantra where you're just kind of like, hey, mm. these are the people that I've lost. I think about people that I'm friends with that have lost people, and I, I think about uh, people, friends of mine that are maybe battling cancer or disease. Or I've had friends like Keith Robinson and uh, my friend Marcus who went through strokes, mm-hmm. uh, Roz G. So I, I think about all these people that have like gone through these, and by by 
by talking about them or thinking about them every day, it gives me my perspective of like, all right, well, I'm healthy mentally, physically. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a job that I absolutely love. I'm around people that stimulate me uh, and make me want to work harder and be better, but also enjoy the talents that I have and the stuff that I'm able to do mm-hmm. and, and where I'm at in life. Mm-hmm. It's just like kind of like um, – It's a gift they gave you in a really weird way. In a fucked up way yeah. when you watch, you know, and I, I thank for my, you know, my grandma being around still, my mom and my girlfriend mm-hmm. and these people that I genuinely love. That's a mushroomy thought though. It's like what isn't a fucked up way? We're, this table is made of wood. Yeah, this you is a tree. I mean? This was a tree. This was a tree in a forest somewhere. And, and even – I don't eat meat or whatever, but yeah. like everything I ate was doing just fine and was enjoying the sun. And then I nodded up. <laughs> yeah. And then you shattered. <laughs> Out your real butthole, not your face butthole. Yeah, <laughs> talk. But I mean, like that is one of the all the great mythologies of of your are dealing with the what the way we gain knowledge and perspective through pain and the way that we survive through death. Yeah, the death man. of this tree, the death of the plants that I eat, and whatever the fuck it is you're eating. But if you look at it as like death, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm I, trying to be I mean, so meat, loving, and I'm, I'm like, like, and the and the murder that you eat, you know, the dairy <laughs> and the and the. And the murder meat that you chew on. But it is, I think... Um, Do you put a little police tape around yeah, your plate? I just whisper, you deserved this. Uh, it's... Yeah, man, if you can learn how to not be as afraid of death... I read a great interview with Michael J. Fox where he was talking about Parkinson's <clears throat> and how he uh, he said the worst thing you can do... And I'm a hypochondriac. I'm a really big hypochondriac. I still am. Or I was worried that I have these, like, you know... Uh, deathly diseases and, mm. and I'm always worried about getting something neurological and all this stuff. Mm. So this really hit home with me where Michael J. Fox said the worst thing, uh, the interviewer asked like, were you ever worried about getting Parkinson's before you got Parkinson's? He's like, no. I, and I think if anyone's ever worried about that, don't do that because you don't have Parkinson's. And so if you do get it, but you worried about getting it first? Well, now you got to go through it twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's well, like, that you're goes just back to paying interest on a debt that isn't yours. Yeah, and That's you're what like, anxiety is. Exactly. Yeah. And you're like, don't give in to that anxiety. Yeah. You're like, just live. And then if it happens, right. deal with it. Right. Which a lot of my life after my teenage years was the shoe's going to drop, get ready. Like, you're tense, like you're always ready, ready right, to get punched. Right, right. Like, right. Out, here it comes, here it comes, and then nothing right. comes. And you're like, all right, well, that was a good day. You're like, here it comes, here it comes. And then, right. like, going through therapy and quitting drinking, my therapist was like, dude, let go. Let go. Yeah. You can take the hit. Right. You've been punched in the face. It, it won't kill you. It's a weird human skill to be able to put aside legitimate concerns. Dr. Gary Penn always says paranoid people are right. Yeah. And it's, it's the pow- one of the powers that we have to cultivate is how to know that I could have an aneurysm right now. Or that my, these are also paranoid high thoughts. My heart could stop. Yeah. Uh, a bomb could drop. But that's why I believe in God. How's that? That's not happening to me. That I'm still moving forward. That I don't walk out and get hit by a cab. That I don't, that my house isn't broken into and I'm not murdered in my sleep. That like all the thoughts that keep you awake that I don't have, mm. you know, um, stage four uh, pancreatic cancer. It's like it, all these things where you're like, you know, because you read these stories and you know, they're like, I had a slight tingle in my left hand. And then they're like, two weeks later, I was, I was diagnosed as having terminal cancer. And you're like, mm. Jesus. Mm. And then you have a slight tingle in your hand. And like, am I, this, that's, that this person happened. Am yeah. I going to die? And then you don't have it. And you're like, man, what the fuck? It's like, interesting, though, but you are going to get something. Yeah, you're going to die. We're, all, we're both <laughs> going to die. But where does God go when that happens? Yeah, uh, into the... Into the, going into through the pain. The, oh, I thought you were like, but, into like, the recycling. Bin. Yeah, then you believe, and then I'm like, then I call Pendulette. Then I ask you for his number. <laughs> maybe, I, say, I mean. Uh, yeah. Is it, is it uh, God matter? You maybe. You deserved it. 
<laughs> I, yeah, well, I'm glad to hear you say that because that, that is the, the work of my adulthood is trying to see divinity and grace even in uh, the shit. When I have a tooth pain, a toothache, or uh, I hurt my back recently when I hurt my back or whatever and it fucking hurts, that's the other time to thank God. Yeah. you're like, you thank go. you for this pain. You're like, thank yeah. you for this because – now I'll look back. guy going, look at this. Yeah. He's yeah. sad. That he's, and now and you, he doesn't believe in God. And you look back and you go, I'm not feeling that pain anymore. And here's what I've learned from it. Yeah. Yeah. Or I still am feeling that pain, but it's not as bad. And I can enjoy this. So Right, right. right. It's yeah. a weird fucking uh, humanity. Man, the human experience is a fucking weird one. I know. But what's great about being a comic is just being able to laugh at all the times you're dumb. And, uh, and talk about all of it. Yeah. And talk about it. Even if you're not a comedian. Being a being a person that's just free—that's what I think is yeah. is essential. Having those people, even your farts, that you can just be like, "This sucks," but you know, I didn't ask to be raised the way I was raised, or and I was—I ra- think I was raised well, or whatever yeah. you want to call it. But like, I have involuntary feelings and thoughts that I'm not proud of, and it's nice to have the safety of someone like Val or whoever it is, and be like. I don't like this, but I thought I, bushy-eyebrowed people sell bad cell phones or whatever it is. And what's great was those people make you have that realization where they're like, well, maybe you just yes. bought a shitty pair of sunglasses. That's what I'm saying. And you're like – Because when I, when I hang out with my father and I love my dad, but I see an older man starting to like slow down and stop hearing the person going like – I'm not talking – this sounds like I'm saying my dad's racist. That's not yeah. what I'm saying. I do catch him like I do making generalizations. Yeah. Meaning people in T-shirts tend to smoke. And you go like, Dad, you just saw a guy in a T-shirt that's smoking. This is fake, obviously. Yeah. But then when you have the vowels and you have the friends and the DeRoses, DeRoses is a great friend like yeah. this, to be like, Holmes, you're, you're just you're full of shit here. Yeah. And you go, ah, I'm a free person. Yeah. And I'm free to be wrong. I'm free to be gross. I'm free to be funny and silly. Yeah. And I'm free to be whatever it is. Free to be you and me, baby. Yeah, but it is. WKBBL. <laughs> But it is one of those things where also, like, you could be watching your dad. Like, I see people get frustrated with their parents and they're like, well, they're sad. Like, they're getting old or whatever. And then it's like, all right, well, I hate to play this card, but you at least get to see your dad get old. Like, you get to see someone age. You get to see someone grow up. And it's like, I would kill to know what my dad was like. I would kill your dad to know what my dad was like. To bring mine back. (laughs) Haitian zombie dad. I want him. Working fields. No, but you're right. It's, it's like, all it's all that perspective. Yeah, it's perspective on the fact of like, have you ever like bitched about a relationship to someone that just went through a breakup where they're yeah. like, yeah, I don't want to fucking talk to you about it. Right, right, right. Where you're like, God, my girlfriend. It's all is... Book of Eli iPad. Yeah, iPod. it all Your goes dad around. is the Book of Eli iPod. Yeah, we're I, like... go, I call my dad and I'm like, ah, he's, he's making those generalizations again. And you're like, that sounds pretty nice. Oh, God, I would love to know what generalizations my dad would come up right? with. And then later he was like, I'm proud of you, son. And you're like, fuck you. Yeah, I'm like, ah, that's where the, you got the sweet honey, <laughs> that nectar. You mined that nectar out of that. <laughs> well, uh, this is amazing, obviously. Yeah. Fun we, hanging with you. Dude. It's been great to hang with you. Thank yeah. you for doing it. We always ask, because we talked about heavy things at the end, can you think of a time that you laughed really, really hard, maybe the hardest in your life? Yeah, when I was uh, five years old, <laughs> my dad moved to an apartment near our house in Denver, and he had a roommate. I think he was his girlfriend. Her name was Karen, and she had a Rottweiler dog, uh-huh. and I was by myself. I don't know where they were, and I learned that feeding a dog peanut butter made me laugh harder than anything because he was like (laughs) chewing it and I remember being like five or six years old and being like this is so funny like this is so 
fucking funny. He's like, and then I just give him another spoonful of peanut butter and eat it off the spoon. Like, and then he's like, and then I was just, and my, I remember my dad coming in the kitchen and taking the jar of uh, smooth Jif out of my hand and be like, hey, buddy, we don't do that. That's mean. Like, I go, nobody's, he loves the peanut butter. And he's like, yeah, but he's, he can't eat it. That's why he's doing that. He's like, and I was just like, but, and then I remember my dad kind of laughing at it. He's like, all right, I get why you're laughing. Oh, and I'm great. like, I was just like crying laughing that's as a great. kid. Like, this is so funny. That's yeah. amazing. That's I remember that. a good one. I'm never I'm not gonna forget that one. Yeah. Five years old, alone with a Rottweiler. With a Rottweiler feeding him Jif peanut butter and watching him. And not in a sexual way, in a way of like uh, God, just look at him eat it. He can't I love eat it. it. That's yeah. so good. Well, thank you, Dan. I yeah. thank you so much. Uh what plug some stuff. Uh dansoder.com for all my tour dates. Uh at Dan Soder on hey, you'll be on the road when this comes out. Yeah. Go see Dan. Uh I'll be in Great stand up. We didn't even talk about that. Oh, thanks. Phenomenal man. Stand-up. I'm in Denver, Minneapolis, uh DC. I'll be at Just for Laughs in Montreal. And then um at Dan Soder on Twitter and Instagram. I have a Netflix half hour, which is out July fourth. So please watch that. A uh, bunch of great comedians are on that as well. And then um, check out The Bonfire with Big J. Okerson and myself uh, if you have Sirius XM. Oh, yeah. that's the Sirius show. Sirius XM, Monday through Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. on Channel 95, Comedy Central Radio. That's so, great. Yeah. Uh, well, you you have the, the impressions. You don't have to do an impression, but we end the podcast with a guest saying, keep it crispy. You can say it as yourself. but Say it as yourself and then do any impression if you want. Okay. I'm wondering Winnie what's the, the best Pooh? voice... I would like you to keep it crispy. <laughs> oh, can you can you please put some honey on it and maybe make it go oh, piglet? You know you have to keep it crispy. <laughs> now will you say it? Yeah, keep it crispy. Thanks, buddy. Of course, thanks for having me. Now leaving Nerdist.com.